This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good Monday morning, friends. Welcome to the program. Dr. Matt here along with Jeff and, of course, Terry South. The gang's gathered. We're here. It's Monday and uh, we're counting down to Christmas <laughs> for no other reason than to save the children and to bring peace on Earth. Oh, of course, of course. Well, and a few days off. You got to have the peace, and yeah, you, you got to have the peace. Uh, boy, oh boy, part no peace, no peace in Washington D.C. today. Mm. Lots of chaos going on there. Uh, boy, Trump uh, still tweeting. President Trump still tweeting. Yeah, got, got him in a little bit of trouble because he's tweeting things like. Yeah, that's why I fired Flynn because of uh, you know he 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 lied to the FBI. Except Trump shouldn't have known he lied to the FBI unless he was somehow involved in True. lies to the FBI. True. So that got him in a little bit of trouble. Then his attorney said, "No, no, no, we're the ones that wrote that. It's are you all gonna, good. Be cool." Are you going to ask him about it when he uh, gets here today? He's coming to Salt Lake. Or to yeah, is he coming to Salt Lake? Yeah. And uh, boy, that's going to be. Crazy. Lots of, uh, I guess, people will have to, you know, you're not going to be able to travel as easily. It's not New York, but <laughs> a lot of people, you know, I, I, I had a hard drive getting to work today because of a little snow. Just stay out of downtown. You'll be fine. Yeah. Just just don't go near downtown. And um, But he'll be in town. What's he coming here for? He's going to uh, announce the uh, reorganization of a couple national parks. Yeah. Bears he's gonna, ears. He's not going to go to the national parks. Yeah, you'd think you'd, you'd go to the park. They're about four hours, three hours south, but Do you think he's fine. ever been to a national park? I don't know. But, I mean, if you remember when Bill Clinton created one of those parks, he went to Arizona. Yeah. So it's a, it's a presidential uh, habit, it looks like, to not actually visit the area you're creating the national park, and you just kind of go to a different place. Which is, which is crazy. I was just at the national parks, and they're beautiful. It seems like if you're the president of said parks, you'd want to go to those which parks. Which brings up speculation about a different motivation for the trip entirely. Yeah. Mm. Maybe this is more about Romney running for Senate in Utah. Trying to block that and keep Orrin Hatch by encouraging Orrin yeah. Hatch to run for uh-huh. another term. Keep, and and keep, come and stir in your Trump. Keep people. Mitt and the Never Trump concept out of the oh. Maybe he's going to decree that uh, Trump Tower or Trump Hotel is going to be a new national park. Well, many say it is. Uh, it's way out there like that. I mean, there's a lot of those all over the place. And he visits them so much that, you know, they are kind of monumental. Um, an interesting – did you see that Kislyak, uh, uh, the Russian guy that is now being brought up with Flynn and all of these yes. contacts? Now, you, now not the ambassador from Russia to yeah. the United States. He's did, been replaced. Did you but, see yeah. him on that talk show in Russia? No. Fascinating. The lady said, why don't we take a few minutes and just have you list everybody that you talked to in the <laughs> United States that will now be indicted because you've talked to him? Right. And he just laughs. <laughs> First of all, I will never do that. Mm. Second of all, it would take a lot long. The list would be so long, it would take us 20 minutes to get through it. Right. That is like, that's got to terrify a bunch of people. Or he's an ambassador and his job is to talk to a lot of people. Yeah. Just like every ambassador to the from the United States. No, but he was country. talking about those that would be indicted. Well, but I, I think they're implying oh. that just by association they get indicted and there's really nothing to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's all. 
I mean, as if that, as if Russia was President Trump's biggest problem. Like all these valets around D.C. will start getting arrested now. That's true. Because maybe they valeted the ambassador's yeah. car. Can I Who take knows? your car? Yeah. Can I, how about your coat? All the coat check people. You're in trouble. Um, Roy Moore, um, the president apparently now supporting Roy Moore. Surprise! Now, this hmm. was the same Roy Moore that Wait, he, was he, he ran away from a few weeks ago. Hmm. I and, thought he was already <clears throat> supporting him. Excuse me. No. Well, he not, not he overtly. He didn't run away. He was supporting the Republican concept in Alabama. He's yeah. against the Democrat. Now he's yeah. just saying, okay, vote for the guy. Vote for Roy Moore. <laughs> and uh, Mitch McConnell is even backing down a little bit because what I think the problem is is they need a Republican, period. Oh, yeah. I mean they don't care if it was you know Attila the Hun running. <laughs> they need a Republican. I, I don't know. I don't know. Do you think mass murder would, they would need, be the line? They need a vote. They okay. need a vote. Right, okay. They, they, there's Where's a vote the that needs to be had, and they need the vote. And so now McConnell's kind of saying, we're just going to let the people of Alabama do this. Then if I have my idea, I think this is what's going to happen. Uh, let's say Roy Moore got elected. Mm. They get Roy Moore in. got elected. Okay, thank you for saying that. And then <laughs> after he's elected, they then hold the vote, mm. and then Roy Moore votes, mm-hmm. and then they censure him ah. from the Senate. They'll do something to Try him. to kick him out. Yeah. And then they'll once they get the vote, they just—they've got to have the vote. Disenfranchise the voters yeah. in Alabama because they—they they right. need that vote. Then they go run another election, and Attila the Hun may run. Hmm. Except I don't think he's from Alabama. Well, who knows? I'm pretty sure he's dead. He's Trump, dead. Though, Trump yeah. controls the immigration system now, uh, so except, just bring him in. I'm pretty sure Terry's related to him. Attila. Isn't that the one you're related to? I think we're all related to Genghis Khan. Oh, it's Genghis Khan. Hey, aren't you, Matt, uh, related to Zorba the Greek? No. I thought you said you had some uh, Greek in you. Yeah, but that doesn't mean everybody's related to Zorba the Greek. Hmm. By the way, uh, I saw Coco over the weekend. (gasps) Coco with some marshmallows in it. Wonderful stuff. That was a great movie. Hmm. It's all about family history. Yeah. I had no idea. How yeah. come you guys never mentioned that? Uh, I did. mentioned it several times last week. Yeah, I never heard that. Yeah, Isn't it interesting that uh, you can now say that you've seen a movie that makes you want to do family history? Yeah. That's, I mean, it was... And it was a kid's movie. And, it was, and also, <laughs> it also made me appreciate uh, Dia de los Muertos. Hmm. I now appreciate the, the Day of the Dead a lot more than I used to. Yeah? Yeah. Which is something I would never thought I'd say. Because I... Didn't understand it. Now I understand it more. Thank you, Coco and Pixar. You can watch. There's a James Bond movie where they take down half the city and they have the Day of the Dead Yeah, that was, that was an awesome yeah, scene. That, that made me appreciate the day. Yeah, now, there's just, a helicopter well, chase. Well, that just more dead. Well, this this uh, was less dead. Oh, okay. And what did you think of the 21-minute short that preceded it? Uh, underwhelmed. It's being removed. Is it? Yeah. I mean, I thought I thought it was a beautiful, you know, thing. A couple weeks, they're going to take it out. They're hearing the cries against the twenty-minute movie that precedes the actual yeah. movie you want to watch. The well, they already movie. did that. They did it in Mexico because the outcry was so huge. Well, because they wanted Coco. Yeah, Dia de los Muertos. Uh, yeah, it's it was good. I just wanted you guys to know I went to a movie. I took my mom. We we I spent a day with my mother. It was beautiful. It was really fun. Did you get a little choked up at the end? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, we, then we dr- drove around and talked about her death. <laughs> so are you looking forward to it? Whoa. It's kind of, 
No, it was just it was very beautiful. Um, uh, so we'll we got a lot to talk about. Joe Cannon will be in by the way today talking uh, politics. Help us understand a little bit of that. But before we get there. Let's go talk uh, to Terry about all the headlines. What else should we be paying attention to, Terry? Congress heading into another busy week following the frantic rewriting or of the uh, passage of the Senate GOP tax bill. The top of the agenda is negotiating a deal on keeping the federal government funded to avoid a shutdown of some agencies on, on Friday when current funding runs out. House Republican leaders are proposing a two-week extension through a continuing resolution that would keep the government agencies funded until December 22nd. Hmm. So usually when they do this, they kick the can three months out. They're yeah. just kicking it two weeks out. Well, yeah, just yeah. drop it right before Christmas when, of course, everything's going to happen. No, then they'll have the big tax bill. They'll right. all walk into the holidays with a win. It'll be great. GOP leaders say the extra time would allow for negotiations on boosting spending for the Pentagon and domestic agencies, which otherwise face cuts. Democrats are demanding a deal on protected young do- undocumented immigrants. Republicans don't want to include the immigration fix in the budget deal, suggesting a possible deadlock. Mitch McConnell says there will not be a government shutdown. He's he's confident that they're going to be able to find a deal yeah. and find yeah. a path forward. Plus, if Roy Moore gets in, they'll right. have another vote. McConnell said yesterday, I believe on, this is on ABC, there is no crisis. The president has given us until March to address the issues of undocumented children who came into the country. So, uh Tossing them into the uh, budget debate, he doesn't think is a responsible yeah. move. Seems, <clears throat> seems, oh, it seems like we're going to be responsible now. Yeah. Um, a new CBS poll found find 71% of Alabama Republicans say the allegations against Roy Moore are false. And those who believe this are also overwhelmingly uh, believe the Democrats and the media are behind the allegations. The poll found 92% of Republicans who don't believe the allegations against Roy Moore say the Democrats are behind them, and 88% say newspapers and the media are behind the allegations. Huh. Well, I mean, there there are like eight women, well, sure, right, I saying mean, stuff. They're all getting that big newspaper money, oh, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it says the Senate contest looks to be highly dependent on turnout. Moore has a lead over the Democrat Doug Jones, 49 to 43. Among likely voters who are most likely to vote on December 12th, among all registered voters, the contest is even, and nearly a quarter of voters still describe themselves as maybe or probably going to vote. Well, and you you don't know what poll to believe. No. Because CNN's saying, you know, the other Jones guy has a lead still. Others are saying Roy Moore's up by six points. And this blowtorch on Twitter keeps saying they're all fake. So I don't know. What are you going to do? <laughs> CVS has agreed to buy Aetna for about $69 billion in a deal that would reshape the America's health care industry. A person briefed on the matter said Sunday the transaction, one of the largest of the year, would combine a drug, the drugstore giant with one of the United States' biggest health insurers, reflecting the increasing blurred lines between traditional separate spheres of the health care industry. Yeah. One of the biggest drivers of the deal is Amazon, which has been rumored to be preparing for an entry into the, the United States pharmacy business. Amazon. Oh, Amazon. really? This is ex- this is exciting. They in want to a way. sell prescription drugs. Well, what happens if you you know commoditize your healthcare and now you can get it at CVS? Right. Would you like a tonsillectomy? It's aisle four. Yeah. <laughs> you just go to aisle four and have your tonsils taken out. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Yeah. But it's, is it any weirder than the way we currently do it? It's all kind of weird. I don't know. I, I, CVS, you go in and get your shampoo. That's right. Nothing. And your health I just went to a CVS, and I couldn't shake the, the lady that was trying to help me. 
<laughs> she's right there, huh? She's like, can I help you? And I said, yeah, where's this? I just thought she took aisle four, but then she took me on a guided tour of the CVS. Oh, wow. How was Wonderful that? Wonderful service. Yeah. Excellent what does that service. stand for, by the way? Cool, CVS. Cool, very special. That's a horrible name for a star. <laughs> CVS. Uh, and finally, the yes. uh, college football playoff is set. Yeah. Alabama got in, which is controversial. Well, Ohio State took the Big Ten. They did. Alabama did not win their conference. And yet they're in. Mm -hmm. So this is almost, this is the BCS kind of falling apart. Or is it? Seems like it. Some people feel like this is actually a more accurate reflection of the season. Well, I know, but remember that there's these these five leagues feel like they they own the world. Well, they kind of do. Well, apparently not the Big Ten. The they don't own anything this so year. So Alabama got the nod over Ohio State. will play Clemson in the college football playoff January 1st for the Sugar Bowl. Uh, Oklahoma and Georgia will meet in the Rose Bowl on the same day. Tie the uh, Alabama or Ohio was the question facing the selection committee. The toughest call in the four-year history of the playoff. The Tide had been more consistent and lost just once. The Buckeyes lost twice, including an embarrassing 31-point beating to unranked Iowa but have the most impressive set of victories. So Ohio State beat better teams. Yeah. Alabama won the most games between the two teams. By the way, and is it true that there's not a Pac-12 team in the Rose Bowl? Yeah, because the USC won, but they're not that good, so they're not going to be in the Rose Bowl, which is part of this series. They're going to be in the Holiday Bowl. Two of the five conferences aren't very happy. Right. As they were into the well, this was always the problem: is you you make this agreement, you get into this deal. If your team doesn't make it, yeah. you're not in. Sorry. Hey, welcome to BYU's world. Well, they right? have other problems. <laughs> we're not even in a conference. The, these teams that are complaining have actually won. Yeah, more they, than five yeah. games. Yeah. Uh, Ohio Ragger. State they won the Big Ten while Alabama did not even win their conference. The committee rolled with the tide, and for the first time in playoff, will include two teams from the same conference. Alabama joins SEC champ Georgia in what could be an all-SEC title game if all things work to their favor. How wonderful for Which the goes SEC. to the whole situation that people yeah. feel the SEC just fixes this so they get all the money. Yeah. Where they could just have better talent than everybody else. Yeah. Well, yeah, but then hmm. when you have more money, you can acquire more talent. Hey. I mean, not that they acquire talent. Well, they do. They just recruit They go recruit it. talent. Is yeah. that the problem here? Pardon? Come again? Apparently there's no problem. Hey, uh... Silverdome just yeah. won't come down. That was an a interesting video to watch. I mean, they blew it up. They tried. That was really cool. They're trying to take down Detroit uh, Lions' old football stadium, Silverdome. And the uh, demolition people said that it was a bit more sturdy than they expected. But like, th- they did it right. We we did it. We, we did everything we're supposed to do. It just didn't come down. So now it's like, hey, Larry. Why don't you go in there and start wiggling one of those pillars? <laughs> go jiggle the pillar. Go jiggle the pillar. Once once you start jiggling a pillar, this thing's going to go down. So it says um, the beams that remain intact will come down this week, either via detonation or with excavators. So then take you know machines yeah. in there and knock it down. Hydraulic uh, excavators are what will take down the remainder. Uh, it'll spend six months. That's the sound of the explosions that didn't knock the building down. They'll spend six months recycling, what, 1,700 tons of structural steel, 1,800 ton- oh, wow. tons of rebar. It's bonkers. These huge buildings they got to get rid of. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just been kind of sitting there waiting for this day, I guess. Because I mean, who's who's going to go in there? 
Yeah. Like one of them. I mean, around Halloween, all these empty buildings fill up with these like pop-up costume shops. You know, this wasn't right. going to be a pop-up no, costume this was shop. Never, yeah, this was too big for that. This was a, a huge football stadium. So, Can yeah. you imagine taking some time off to work to be one of the many crowd goers to watch this thing go down and it doesn't go down? It's underwhelming. In fact, many say that that's it, it's just personifies the um, Detroit Lions football, you know. You history. can't even knock down a building right. Like it's it's exciting. It seems like a really big thing, like a Thanksgiving game with the Detroit Lions, and then it just kind of. It says ten percent of the explosives did not go off because of a wiring issue. Oh, that guy's in trouble. Yeah, there's someone that got fired. Larry. <laughs> they have not caused uh, identified the root cause of the wiring mishap. It's unclear whether suspected Friday night trespassers may have pulled the wires. Really. Mm-hmm. Mm. Man, who would trespass into a building that's going to be imploded the next? That sounds like a movie theme, like something that would happen in a James Bond movie. Well, I, you, James Bond would go in as the building exploded. Yeah, because then he'd have to, you know, run out as the building fell behind him, and he doesn't turn around either. Right? As it just falls never turns him. around. No, you don't look at the explosion. But, but you, you would think you'd want to look at the explosion because it looks so cool. Yeah, but the reality is. There would be like cinder blocks yeah. shot out at him in reality, and that never happens in these movies. So, some guy's got to go in and I just saw you turn around the wires. Just saw you turn around and and look over your shoulder as that played. Yeah. So I mean, never be too careful. Hmm. It's crazy. Well, uh, you wonder if Joe Cannon can make sense of this stuff. All this political talk. Up next, we're talking with Joe Cannon, our Washington insider. See if he can straighten out, iron out any of the uh, the issues going on with President Trump. And uh, is it really a big deal anyway? And uh, is he really coming to Utah to, to move Mitt Romney out? We'll find out. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. Monday, folks, and if you know anything about the show, Monday means Joe Cannon will be joining us. And uh, Joe is a is what we call our Washington insider. He's Joe in the know. Really, he doesn't love the title, but he does know a lot of people. So we like to pick his brain when it comes to all things political. See if there's anything uh, else you know that we might be missing in some of the news stories that come out of Washington D.C. Joe is the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation, which is an organization that's trying to lower the fuel costs for those uh, people in America in the United States. And uh, we appreciate him being on the show. Joe, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me, Matt. Are you healthy and happy? Healthy and happy. Yep. It's all you need. It's all you need. By the way, just it's always nice to know. I guess you're doing better than Michael Flynn. <laughs> Um, talk about Michael Flynn with me for a minute. He, here he is, a, a, a senior, a, a senior advisor to President Clinton, and uh, then all of a sudden he's run out. Like what? In a month's time, uh, he was released supposedly for lying to the vice president, um, but now he's working with the FBI. Right. Yeah. It's a, obviously a really interesting and a really big story. Uh, I just uh, one maybe not footnote, but. It, uh, 
I call it alternate universes. The Wall Street <laughs> Journal, which is more diplomatic, calls it dueling narratives. Ooh. But it's really just interesting to, to you know, I, I knew you'd ask me this question, so I, I just started looking at stories. And there's it's very hard to find a straight-up news story about this. Either it's a big nothing if you're – if you're the media that doesn't hate Trump, it's oh, well, it's not a big deal. And Trump's lawyers are saying there's nothing to connect to the U.S. On the other hand, if you look at CNN and some other stories, impeachment is just around the corner. Yeah, you know? it's yeah, there's alternate universes. But uh, you know, looking and parsing through a bunch of stuff, it's still hard. You know, you've got you know pretty dispassionate former prosecutors and you know former. Uh, Department of Justice officials saying, well, it could be a really big deal, or maybe this is as much as Mueller could get, you know. Yeah. So but, but the question, but the fact is, this is a very high-level guy, uh, clearly a Trump ally from the beginning, um, admitting to a crime. And so that, 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 that's a fact. That, that is a fact. Well, and, and admitting to, yeah, admitting to it and then but it seems like uh, to a lesser charge, it seems like than other things that he could have been accused of. Well, and that's yeah, that's one reason there's a, a lot of uh, I'll call it prosecutorial smart people wondering what this means. I mean, at one level, it could mean okay, uh, uh, wow, we will we you will plead, which is very common in criminal prosecutions, plead to a lesser. Um, uh, a lesser issue, but open yourself up to working with the prosecution and getting other people further up the food chain. Yeah. So that's, you know, one one way or one analysis. The other analysis is, well, maybe that's the best he could do. So he's going to, you know, get, get that, uh, notch that on his belt and then move on. Uh, I think it honestly is more a little bit more the former than the latter. But, mm-hmm. You know, we'll we'll see. But it's clearly, uh, you know, really big news last week. I mean, because now, now it may be that he can tie um, Russia and Russia involvement to President Trump's even in more inner circle, like Jared Kushner's name is being brought up. And and right, I, that's the, yeah, that's the big the big story. I mean, the, the question is though that a lot of people are raising is so what if he did talk to the Russians? The guy's going to be the national security advisor in a, you know, a, 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 it wasn't the Trump administration yet. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. It's a, there are, uh, Many of the issues surrounding this are why did he lie? What was he really covering up? If he was just covering up contacts with Russians, well, that's not very problematic in a transition mode when you're about to become you know, the the new administration. Yeah. On the other hand, it, was there more there? Uh, how, if at all, was this connected to uh, Russian interfer- interference with American politics? Yeah. Uh, a much bigger question. And like a, a so quid, there, was there a quid pro quo that the U.S. would help relieve the sanctions against Russia that are having such an impact? Right, right. Huh. Right. Is uh, I don't know if you heard this, too. And then President Trump tweeted out or somebody on President Trump's Twitter feed tweeted out that uh, he knows that 
the president knew he was lying, which is one of the reasons why he, that he had lied both to his vice president and to the FBI. That's why he fired him. But then right, that yeah. that created another storm because the president shouldn't have known he was lying to the FBI unless he was somehow right, yeah. involved. So then they had to back off of that statement is I mean I guess politically how do you how do you sense the president's handling of the whole Russia investigation is is he creating bigger problems for himself by cuz now they're saying there's obstruction because of the way he's been doing this and I mean, is he just digging himself deeper into a hole? Should he just be quiet and let it go or what? Well, as we often say, we could spend every Monday talking about <laughs> President Trump. But, yeah. but I, I will send this one. It seems like I, – I, I don't know. I, I, saw, I saw the tweet like everybody, and, and I thought, why, why do that? I mean, maybe it's true. Let's just say it's true. Yeah. Still, why, why – why do it? You know, your 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 uh, lawyers. You've got a bunch of really smart lawyers thinking about this problem. Why why take it to the public like that? Just it just gives ammunition to Mueller, and if not Mueller, maybe maybe or maybe not. Maybe he has nothing to do with that. But on the Hill and politically, it gave his adversaries lots of reasons to jump up and down. Diane Feinstein, you know, to Senator Feinstein, saying, well. Looks like kind of the noose is tightening around an obstruction charge, Ooh. and uh, you know it's just I I don't know. Yeah, no. And again, that's our favorite answer. What else can right. you say? It's Donald Trump for heaven's sakes. Hey, what do you think? Uh, just while we're still on the president and his cabinet, there's a lot of talk and chatter over the last couple of days about Tillerson being out in January, and well, they're, yeah, they're all kinds of Washington. Uh, uh, axioms that, that come into play here. One is that you, when there are rumors of someone's departure, A, they're either true, or B, someone's trying to make it true. Mm. Uh, then another axiom is the more the president defends someone under attack like that, the more likely it is that that person really is on the way out. Interesting. But three, yeah. But three... Donald Trump, President Trump. In other words, he kind of defies all these rules. And he apparently likes Tillerson. That's the interesting thing here. He apparently likes Tillerson, even though they very publicly uh, differ from each other. I mean, it's, it, I would say it's, un, it's not unusual. It's literally unprecedented for a president and their secretary of state to be so often at odds, seeming odds yeah. with each other over some kind of big policy things, and so no one hides that fact. Tillerson plows on. President keeps him there. So I, I again, like you say, our favorite answer is I don't know, but I it was interesting. The the president seemed in on on the first of December to acquiesce in the in the rumors. But then he came out pretty strongly the next day saying, no, 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 no. He's there. He's my guy. And we're going forward. It it Uh, seems like to me it's Rex Tillerson that's spreading these rumors because of your first first, um, thought that it's true or he wants to make it true. Like, I mean, it does seem like Tillerson has a really hard job trying to, to get anything done simply because he's always fighting against the president. 
Well, and so maybe he does maybe, want I mean, out. I, I, I think maybe he does. I think Tillerson also kind of likes the president. I mean, why would he come in to yeah. this? Thing in the first place, and and it's a it's a great job. It's an important job. It's a historic job. But one of the things that a lot of people are saying, even people who don't like the president within the State Department, maybe a guy like Pompeo would be be good because he's an insider. He like the president trusts him on policy issues, and maybe having somebody who even the even the career folks don't like in mm. but it could be more effective i mean there's still many 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 vacancies at uh, the state department and that's making a lot of the career folks uncomfortable so this you know this who knows where the rumors are emanating but tillerson has other problems as secretary of state completely independent of, of uh, his relationship with the president. Yeah. And that is, is, he, is, what kind of a job is he really doing? Former CEO, you'd expect, you know, maybe a different kind of management style, but there are plenty of people who don't like Trump, who like Tillerson, but are frustrated with him. I mean, I'm speaking of people within the State Department. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's, there's such a historic, like a, an institutional history there, and um, I, I just think Trump, President Trump, plays it so differently. And um, one of the things I don't know if you, you remember the story or saw the story about uh, Tillerson's senior team at, uh, at state at the State Department snubbed Ivanka Trump because uh, Ivanka was going to India to have a, a, a women's conference. Oh, no, no, yeah. And, 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 and Tillerson basically said, yeah, we're not sending any people with you. And so I, I wondered if that was a sign of something. But, yeah, oh, what a hard job, I think. And honestly, he's, he's a, he was a powerful CEO. He was used to having whatever he wanted. It just seems like it would be easy for him to just go sit on a bunch of boards and drive his boat around a lake in Texas. <laughs> to me, that seems like a pretty nice life. Yeah. Hey, um, again, we're speaking with Joe Cannon. He's our Washington insider. Joe in the know, we call him, and he's the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation, an organization lowering costs, your fuel costs here in the United States, fighting to do that. Um, Joe, talk to us about, because there has been a success, at least really really one of the biggest, if not only major successes, short of the Supreme Court justice. Um, uh, the Senate has now passed a tax plan, and it's going now to, um, uh, I guess, to, to committee. Um, what do you think about the, the, pa- the, the plan that passed through the Senate on taxes? Well, at the risk of sounding too much like a nerd, uh, <laughs> if possible, my wife and I were the only people in Utah, maybe, I don't know, anywhere. We, we watched C-SPAN Friday night until midnight. Did you watching really? The, watching the vote on the floor. It was, it was pretty interesting. We watched, you know, all the amendments. There were a lot of amendments that were shot down. Um, but, uh, no, it was a very, very big victory uh, for for Republicans in general and the president in particular uh, because they did get it through. <clears throat> they only, <clears throat> excuse me, they only lost one uh, Republican, Corker, and he wasn't even one of the ones who was, people thought was a certain no vote, but he ended up being a no vote. Uh, they got zero Democrats. I mean, I think the Democrats embarked on a fairly risky strategy. Maybe that's a, maybe a different topic, but there are 10 Democrat uh, senators who are up for re-election in 2018 mm. in states that Trump won. They're the so-called red state Democrats 
all of them voted against President Trump's biggest victory. I think that will tell in the next year. You'll you'll see the president going after going after them pretty hard. Yeah, and maybe maybe with some success. But getting back to the tax bill, I mean, it was uh, you know very big big triumph for for Republicans and for the president. It's going to go to conference, like I said. It's going to go to conference. The House leadership's already announced that they're going to stay in session all the way until Christmas, the Friday before Christmas, if that's what it takes. Um, Christmas being on a Monday this year, so so uh, they're they're ready to go to conference. Uh, people make a lot about the differences between the bills, but uh, I, I I personally think they're pretty narrow, and and a lot of a lot of the so-called differences. Well, there are differences, but a lot of them are pretty marginal, and and I think for a lot of people, you can see. The good, the good changes in the Senate side and the good cha- differences in the House side, I think they'll pretty quickly be brought together. The big issue is just making sure you still have at least 50 votes in the Senate for whatever comes out of conference. Hmm. And everybody knows that. Everyone knows that. You've got a little more comfort in the House. The Senate was aware of the House, uh, some of the provisions that it took out, including the Corker uh, amendments, which would have had, would triggered tax hikes in certain events, um, were were knocked out in the Senate solely because they knew they would be non-starters in conference. So the conference already started huh. by the way the Senate dealt with the uh, with various amendments. So yeah, it's not good. Obviously, there's there are some differences, but we're not talking. A huge binary problem here, and this is this the GOP needs this right because this would be pretty much the only and and the president this would be the biggest win short of Gorsuch uh, from his first year as president. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, he has had some foreign policy uh, victories. I'm putting quotes around that, but. Uh, all of those are still to to be determined in the larger context of what happens in Korea and what happens right. in Israel. But definitely, this is a big, big, notable, definable event that he could claim and should claim victory on. Yeah, in fact, he claimed it's going to be tremendous, and he used right. the, he yeah. used the word tremendous yeah. about six yeah. times. Um, but it's it's going to be good for business. Business tax rates will come down. I mean, that's where everybody argues about what about the middle American and, you know, those that'll come out in conference, I guess. Hey, you did bring up Israel. Let's get to that real fast. Uh, explain to us why it matters where I mean, because this is a big issue. Every president seems to have tried to touch on it, where the where Jerusalem, whether it's whether it's um, Tel Aviv as the. Is is where the the what's it called the embassies embassies are, or whether it's in Jerusalem itself? Why is this such a big deal, and what decision is President Trump making on it? So, wow, it's one of the thorniest questions. It goes back to 1967 uh, when Israel won the so-called Six Day War and took over Jerusalem. Ever since that time, the international community, generally speaking, has refused to acknowledge Israel's ownership of that territory. Hmm. And a way they've acknowledged that is putting their embassies in Tel Aviv and not in the 
uh, in the Israeli view, their capital, which is Jerusalem. So the question is, what's the capital of Jerusalem? What is recognized as the capital? I'm sorry, the capital of Israel. What is recognized as that? So this has been a matter of controversy, controversy for a long time. Why it's coming up now is sort of uh, there's an obscure law passed in 1995, but actually rejected by every president since then. Uh, Clinton, Bush, Obama, even even President Trump has said that law is uh, we're not recognizing it because it's a statute that requires the recognition of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. And uh, but just a little footnote on that: the presidents, with, uh, all of whom, I don't know about President Obama, but for for sure uh, Clinton and Bush and Trump have all said Jerusalem should be the capital. Um, but they believe that's a violation of separation of powers, that the Congress had the temerity to direct the executive branch and foreign policy. But laying that issue aside, every six months, there's a decision that has to be made under that law, whether to waive the law or not. And that decision is coming up in the next few days. And so what the, just the procedurally what's happening is uh, President Trump is deciding what to do about that waiver. I don't really think he's thinking too much about that or even the State Department. It's just another reason to think about what you what do you do with Jerusalem. So um, let me just say one, the other layer of complexity on this is that, as I said, the entire diplomatic, most of the, virtually all of the diplomatic world except the United States generally says no, that Jerusalem's not the capital. And if you put it there, you know, all heck will break break loose. Yeah. So so it's it, it's a it's a Middle Eastern peace issue. You know, you've got the PLO saying, "quote If this happens, if you move the the embassy to Jerusalem and recognize Jerusalem as the capital, this is quote a total annihilation of the opportunities for peace." You oh, remember wow. maybe in 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 2016, the United Nations passed a resolution reaffirming that the Israeli settlement of the West Bank and East Jerusalem was illegal. And whereas the United States has always vetoed that type of resolution, uh, President Obama did not veto it. So there's now a U.N. resolution in place condemning as illegal Israel's occupation of Jerusalem. Mm. So it's a very thorny issue. There, there are many, many. There's some ways around it. One is to just reaffirm that we, the United States, reaffirm yes, we recognize Israel. We recognize that it recognizes that Jerusalem is its capital, but we're going to keep the embassy in Tel Aviv. Or they could say we're going to move the embassy to Jerusalem, but we're not going to do it for a few years. Yeah. Uh, or it could just move the embassy, or the ambassador could start working. There is actually there is an American embassy office in Jerusalem already. The ambassador Friedman could move there. He could say, okay, I'm going to work out of the Jerusalem office now. So there's, there are various ways that it, uh, it could happen. But, but most people now believe that on, by Wednesday of this week, uh, President Trump will make a statement very likely embracing, A, Jerusalem as the capital of an undivided Israel, and B, likely moving the embassy or moving more operations from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Wow. Um, 
so I, I obviously I don't know yeah. those facts, but but that's the huge speculation by lots of smart people. Oh, well, I'm glad I'm glad you were here today, Joe, because uh, we couldn't have understood it. I don't think as fully as we do now with your help. Well, Joe Cannon, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for your great uh, insights. We'll talk to you again next week. This is uh, it's always great to have Joe on the show. He helps us make sense of some of the things that don't always make sense. And sure, we have to sometimes say we don't know, but uh, we can still have some informed insight, right? Some informed understanding that, that makes us make better decisions. That's what it's all about. Joe Cannon, again, you can find out more information about his work at fuelfreedom.org. And uh, we'll have him next week again. This is the Matt Townsend Show, informing you, giving you the information so you can live a healthier life. Welcome back, friends. You know, uh, one of the problems is when you start to legislate uh, morality or even just like create the rules for what's acceptable, what isn't acceptable. Once you start drawing those lines, you you create some problems. And there's an article um, that's on Huffington Post in their weird news section, by the way, about how Shakespeare sonnets are banned in Texas prisons. So you, you can't have Shakespeare sonnets uh, and read those in Texas prisons. But Hitler's book, Mein Kampf, totally allowed. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, also banned Monty Python's The Big Red Book, Where's Waldo, and Freakonomics. You can't find Waldo. No. They don't want to give anybody any ideas on how to blend in and disappear. Yeah, that's right. They're trying to – it's all about It's all about how you dress. Uh, the Texas prison system has a head-scratching list of banned and permitted reading material for its 150,000 inmates. It bars Alice Walker's Pulitzer Prize-winning novel, The Color Purple. Not allowed to have that. Okay. Uh, because that, I, I guess, refers to um, incest. So well, yeah, go there, and they're they're very prejudiced against the color purple itself. But, but you can have books that extol principles like the that come from the Ku Klux Klan. Sure. So those can be there. Uh, color purple, you can't have that. A collection of Shakespeare sonnets because it contains nude uh, images of children. Monty mm. Python's The Big Red Book also contains nudity. Um, Where's Waldo contains stickers. Oh. And if you, you know, if you, you could model some sort of an escape device out yeah. of all those stickers. Uh, econ- uh, the Freakonomics book, um, which is a book on economic theory, may cause offender disruption. Hmm? I don't know what that is. So if you're an offender, I don't know. Uh, and 10,000 other books are not allowed. But Adolf Hitler's anti-Semitic uh, creed, Mein Kampf, and two books written by former KKK Grand Wizard David Duke, perfectly acceptable. Well, because surprisingly, they uh, don't swear. Yeah, they're clean. <laughs> they're clean. <laughs> Just don't say the F word. That's right. Can't say certain words. Nearly twenty or 250,000 titles are permitted within the system. So once you start you know, drawing the lines, it gets more and more confusing. Obviously, nudity and sexual images are banned, which makes graphic novels like The Walking Dead prohibited. Um, by the way, these are yeah, these are novels, right? These are books. These aren't just picture books. Um, uh, uh, Atlas is it? Atlas Shrug is that? Is Shrug? Yeah. Is that? Is that uh-huh. the book? That's also banned, apparently. Anyway, it's it creates a problem, and now all of a sudden, people don't know, you know, why? What's going on? I smell an uprising. Yeah. So it's going to create bigger problems. I mean, but again, that's what happens. 
it's hard. Once you start making a list, you're in trouble. And I mean, unless, of course, it's for Santa. They haven't been able to read Dr. Seuss for years. Yeah. Yeah. Green eggs. What? That you're trying to poison us? Yeah. Yeah. Not good. Not good. Green eggs and ham. Uh, we'll take a break and continue the journey, giving you the information you need to live longer, love stronger and lead healthier, happier lives. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. Boy, just had a big sneeze right there. Thank Didn't even you. need to tell you that, but huh, just trying to get myself together. Hey, uh, cat lovers out there, we've got some, um, mm, what do you want to say, bad news for you. Again, we hate to bring you these stories because we know how much you love your kitty. But uh, there is an age-old debate about whether dogs are smarter than cats. Well, science now has a definitive answer and the winner. And still champion of the smartest animal between cats and dogs uh, contest. It is the dogs. The dogs win that. That conclusion is from an international team of researchers who found that dogs possess twice the number of neurons than cats. Neurons are the cells, obviously, right, that process information. And so more neurons an animal has, the better its information processing capability, according to scientists. The study was conducted by researchers from six universities. Now, this uh, – Terry's, I think, a dog lover. And Jeff, are you a cat lover? Uh, Not really either, but I would would choose dogs over cats, hands down. That's why this is happening. I just sneezed because I'm allergic to cats. Really? Yeah. And so right there, though, that argument of – that's cat. Those were cats singing a Meow Mix commercial. Yeah, that, that would get old fast. I don't know that you'd have dogs singing. But uh, apparently cats have uh, fewer neurons than dogs do. And um, I hate to bring it up, but, yeah, that's why they're man's best friend. Well, here's here, – let me just give you some perspective. Yeah. You've heard of the crazy cat lady, but you've never heard of the crazy dog lady. It's a great point. It's a great point. I met one, though. Oh, they right. exist. They do. No one talks about them, but, but they no, exist. But yeah. there's no stereotype surrounding it. But you also have – It's ha- the same. But you have police dogs. You have dogs that can go be employed to catch drug dealers and, and drug and people trying to, you know. But there's another example. You have dogs that are helping the police, and usually they're helping get cats out of trees. So cats are always the troublemakers. Yeah, cats are always stuck in trees. You, know, you can't think your way out of that. <laughs> Just don't go out on the limb. But cats do have nine lives. So they, they, you think that would mean they're smarter, too. Or that they would be willing to dispense of one of those lives getting out of the tree. They're really stingy with those nine yeah, lives. No, totally. Well, it's because cats have 250 million neurons, uh, you know, and an average 15-pound mixed breed dog has about 429 million. So it's uh, – by the way, a 64-pound golden retriever has about 627 million neurons. Now, hopefully they don't try to find out who has more neurons, the dog or the human male, because that could go sideways. Anyway, little uh, news update for you. Dogs apparently have more neurons, and I guess that makes them smarter. But is it if they don't apply themselves? We'll discuss it. We'll continue the journey. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. 
This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Happy Monday to you. And uh, boy, have we got a show for you. So much to talk about. We're going to be revisiting uh, one of my favorite um, researchers, Dr. Stephen Stosny, today is going to be talking about uh, how, to, how to overcome your anger, your stress, your pressure, how to kind of fly above it all. He has done amazing research with people under enormous stress that are prisoners, people that have been to prison and the powers of compassion and some of the research uh, that, that has come from that. We'll be getting into that. Interesting stuff there. Plus, talk about pressure, a lot of pressure going on. We just found out last hour, dogs are smarter than cats. Sorry to bring it up Whoa. again. Tons of pressure there. But we did solve a world problem. Trust the dogs. Trust the dogs. I will say, though. Unless that, you live in Argentina, by the way, where they're everywhere. Ooh, yeah. The dogs are the ones with the shifty eyes, not the cats. Oh, but they got those cute brown little eyes that just look up at you like, mm. I love you. But just watch out for the shifty eyes. Yeah. They're I, always up to something. You know what? That's a great point. Don't trust a dog with shifty eyes. Also, can I just suggest don't trust a dog with an underbite? Ooh. My dog had a major underbite. And, you know, Buddy was his name. And you couldn't trust him further than you could throw him, which hopefully you didn't do. No, we would never throw that Okay. Dog. Oh, I loved my dog. He was always there for me after school. Every day. Cute little buddy. Just, uh, I, I was a latchkey kid. I'd come in, hug on him, kiss him, stick my finger in a jar of peanut butter, get a big wad of peanut butter, and I'd wipe it right on the roof of his mouth. You monster. Every day. Until he died of heart disease. <laughs> Don't know why. We loved him. Cholesterol? Probably. Peanut-based cholesterol? Peanut allergy. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. President Trump uh, making his way to Utah today uh, to come in and- For two apparently, hours. Yeah, he's, he's coming in for a full two hours. It'd be great. Like, it may not, I mean, is it even worth it? Maybe he should just circle the state. Isn't he just holding the press conference at the airport- Oh, probably. That's usually how we get presidential recognition in the state of Utah. They step yeah. off the plane, shake a couple hands, get back on the plane, but, keep going. And, and what's funny, because we're one of the flyby states. Over. Yeah. Fl- Not yeah. even by. Yeah, fly, just... fly way over at 35,000 feet. But there's other states that probably never get a landing, right? Until, until of course, they're running. We were one of Delaware. The, we were one of the last states President Obama visited during his eight years. Yeah. So. Well, that, sometimes you save the best for last. Sure, that's why he did it. It's one way to look at it. Yeah. I mean, that's one way. Apparently, though, the president is throwing out some support uh, for Alabama, Alabama GOP Senate candidate. Some? He's, he's Sounds full. like full. Well, yeah. Complete but, well, backing. Full on, except he's not going to go, he's not going to fly to Roy's neighborhood. Oh, I guess you're right. Neighborhood. There's limits. Yeah. But he's, I, he's going to a par- an activity near there. There's always next week. Right? Great I mean, he, he's showing today he can do a two-hour trip across the country, Alabama. Just go go ahead. Just Fly drop in, in there. I, I think he's after or at some point he's going somewhere near Alabama Ooh. to kind of support and stir the voters there. All right. But I, just again, want, I just want him in the cowboy hat. Him and Roy hanging out in their cowboy hats and their vests. Be good. Yeah. <laughs> no? Yeah. Well, I mean, no, sure. Sure. <laughs> it's it's all good. It's all good. So uh, President Trump uh, doing what he can, I guess, to get a member of the GOP elected. He needs Senate to be uh, – he, he needs to have a lead in the Senate, period. Right. 
And I think he's even saying it doesn't matter what Roy Moore has done. You got to vote a GOP member in there. Well, he's not saying that, but well, yeah, he's kind of saying that. Well, he's alluding to that. Yeah. It's not about morals. It's about votes. Right. And I mean, Roy Moore said it's all untrue. Yeah, that's true. It's all fake news. And he's like, wow, that's a very good approach to handling the media. What well, do I yeah. got that? There, but then there's the then there's the women. That what about them? the eight women that went out there and has, have put their necks out on the line? They're obviously a media creation. The newspapers uh, in Alabama are dying. They need their circulation to go up. They need people reading their articles. That's where they came from. Yeah. And they were girls at the time, not even women. Yeah. It was like 40 years ago. So why would they risk it, you'd think? Why would you risk doing that uh, just to, you know, mess up a senatorial run? Hmm. Or was it really because you're ticked that, you know, this guy chased you around a mall? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a horror movie. Allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> yeah, get that. There will be. There will be a. Uh, there will be a movie coming out called The Mall. <laughs> the Roy Moore story. The Roy Moore story, which is, by the way, where mall walking and running was invented. Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> the sp- mall or sprinting, whichever. Uh-huh. That's the, where the first time they held a 5K uh-huh. at a mall. Nice. <laughs> was in Alabama. That was good. Back in the day. Hey, uh, this just out on CNN Entertainment. Frozen is uh, short ending its run with Coco. They're getting rid of the Frozen short. I just sat through it. I mean, honestly, the short hmm. in and of itself, I liked. No. You can't. See, you can't even look at me in the eye and if, say that with a straight face. I could. I don't know why I just said I. Yeah, why do you only have one eye today? <laughs> oh, what's with the patch? <laughs> so I didn't even notice your patch. No, but like if if I were going to show my kids a 20-minute short about mm-hmm. Frozen, that was acceptable. It's the only 20-minute short about Frozen. They were right? looking for a tradition. And they they had a couple of good songs, two or three good songs. They were looking for a plug for their new film coming out in 2019. Yeah. That's what they were looking for. So they ran Frozen in front of the show, the movie Coco, which I loved Coco. Now, people need to know what Coco is because I didn't remember it was a story about family history. I didn't know that. So halfway through, I'm like, okay, so what's going on? Like, come on. What's the what's the storyline here? Aren't you supposed to go take a nap? What's it's the, the kids story? Movie, right? I was about to, and I was on the recliner yeah, yeah. chairs. Oh, that's so comfortable. Great. Hang out. You mm-hmm. cannot nap through this movie. This is a great movie. Nap through the short if you go see it in the next week. Yeah, but apparently they're but pulling it. Don't nap through Coco. Don't nap. Don't you, nap through. Coco. That is the that is the best way to get coal in your stocking this Christmas. By the way, if you nap through Coco, yeah, you need to be there for the end and the grand finale to find out how important family really is. So if I watch the first little part, sleep through the middle, and catch the end, I'm okay. Boom. You've nailed it. See, that's how— No, you actually have to sleep through the front. Both Lego Batman and the Cars 3 movie, that's how I did it. I slept through the middle. It was great. You can sleep through the middle of Lego Batman. I'll (laughs) give you you that. It's kind of weird to wake up and he's like fighting Godzilla. It was kind of a strange little twist. I I did take a little nap in Coco. Really? Just a little one. But I don't know what I missed because I was napping. Hmm. But then I, when I got up, it was really good. Which is ironic because there's a song that's featured throughout the movie about remembering. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that is pretty ironic. Uh, anyway, so if you are planning on going to the movie Coco, if you wait till December 8th, after December 8th, there will no longer be the Frozen 
Where's froze the frozen short? Where's it going? It was supposed to be like a holiday TV yeah. after the Charlie Brown Christmas. Yeah, was, I, I I didn't mind it, and I really wouldn't have minded it if it were just a short that kids could go watch on. Yeah, somewhere else. But I kind of minded more that you were taking my time with that. Mm. You want it to show up on the iPad where the kids are watching it in a corner of the room. Yeah, where you don't have to hear it or right. see it. Yeah, with their headphones on. Yeah. That's exactly – yeah. I felt a lot better about that. Uh, let's get to the headlines with Terry. Terry, what other news should we be paying attention to other than uh, Pixar or Disney shorts? President Donald Trump on Sunday appeared to encourage Americans to sue ABC News over its false and since-corrected report about Michael Flynn's guilty plea in the special counsel's probe. Brian Ross, who has been suspended four weeks without pay, erroneously reported that Trump as a candidate – rather than as a president-elect, ordered Flynn to make contact with the Russian government. After that report, the stock market went down sharply. People who lost money when the stock market went down 350 points based on the false and dishonest reporting of Brian Ross of ABC News should consider hiring a lawyer and suing ABC for the damages oh, of this bad wow. reporting. Trump's going to have a heyday with this one. So, but the president suggested people sue? Yeah, because the stock market went down. Yeah, that just seems um, weird. Even though it recovered by the end of the session. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think okay. people that you know put money into the, into Wall Street are kind of accepting the risk of what may happen to Wall Street because mm-hmm. he says stuff all the time that drops the right. <laughs> Who do we sue there? That you know sends the uh, Wall Street down. So I don't know. He he said that it's kind of a, a reach, but again, he's just trying to uh, stir the pot there a little bit. John Dowd, an attorney for President Trump, is claiming that he wrote the president's tweet on Saturday in which he said he fired ex-national security advisor Michael Flynn. For lying to Vice President Michael Mike Pence and the FBI, he has pled guilty to those lies. It's a shame because his actions during the uh, transition were lawful. There was nothing to hide. Trump wrote in part of Flynn, uh, wrote in part of Flynn, who has pled guilty to lying to the FBI as part of the special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation. Dowd told ABC News that he wrote the tweet and that it was sloppy. Trump's claim about knowing Flynn had lied to the FBI in particular set off alarm bells, as it could be used as evidence of an obstruction of justice case against Trump. Because ah. he would know beforehand that he had lied and then... But now, blah, blah, blah. Uh, did you see the latest? President Trump's personal lawyer says you can't... The president can't obstruct justice. Yes. He He's says the he, president. He can't because he is the chief law enforcement officer under the Constitution's Article 2 and has every right to express his view of any case. And this is the lawyer, Dowd, again, who claims that he wrote that tweet. Um, the, huh. the, the part of that that's interesting is um, they got... President Nixon for this. They yeah. got President Clinton for this. Oh, no, you can't do it. They, they were wrong there. And so now they're trying to set this other framework up of to defend him against an obstruction of justice uh, wow. claim that may come here in the next, I don't know, six months. I don't know how about... Yeah. It seems like Robert Mueller's taking his time, and then all of a sudden there's a fury of activity, and then he just disappears yeah. for a while, and then he's It seems back. like Mueller's being pretty successful. He's had two indictments or whatever, and two people, you know, Admitting stuff. Right. So. He's progressing. He seems like, he's, and it's going faster than Ken Starr ever did it. Wow. Don't you think? I mean, I, I'm, I in one year, he's got all these indictments and. There's a lot of things that have happened Ken this Starr, year. like four years. <laughs> the United States is reportedly searching for new sites on the West Coast to set up anti-missile defense systems. The move comes amid heightened tensions with North Korea, which fired yet another intercontinental ballistic missile on Wednesday, raising concerns about a missile hitting the U.S. mainland. According to Reuters, the U.S. Missile Defense Agency is likely to use missiles similar to those deployed in South Korea. 
known as Terminal High Altitude Area Defense, or the worst name of a defense system, THAAD. THAAD! By the way, that's if your name is THAAD, now you're cool. THAAD. They call me THAAD. <laughs> you got THAAD. <laughs> um, this was interesting. Voyager 1, I was talking to you last week, there's yeah. this golden record they put in this, this space probe that they sent out in the... Late 70s, early 80s, and it's got music and all sorts of, uh, like, 33 languages, people saying hello, and it's our sort of greetings to the Sorry, yeah. galaxy. Gift to whatever, the galaxy. Right? What so, do you get the galaxy? You get them a... Gold record. Yeah. And it's pretty soon someone, there's a Kickstarter that's been, uh, that's out there, you can get that audio recording if you want to listen to it. I don't know why you'd want to listen to it, but it's it's us saying hello, or us directing our conquering, the next conquering empire to Earth. Yeah. To enslave us all. Anyway. And yet, by the way, think of how confidence building that would be for the empire that's coming to destroy us. Right, like, wow, look like, at that. <laughs> this will be easy. They're still using records. We can take them. <laughs> Voyager 1, the probe, which we were just talking about, became the first man-made object to leave the solar system in 2012. has been away from home for a long, long time, approximately 40 years. It's still beaming back information, sending out communications to whomever may be listening, so it's doing both. Uh, now it's over 13 billion miles from Earth. On Friday, NASA said it had it successfully dusted off the spacecraft's long-dormant backup thrusters for the first time in 37 mm. years. In a blog post, the agency explained that Voyager 1's main uh, attitude control thrusters had been degrading, making it difficult to reorient the spacecraft so its antenna points back towards Earth. But the probe had a series of four backup uh, correction uh, thrusters, which hadn't been used since 1980. And through a series of tests, NASA discovered that they remain functional and oh, work cool. just as well as the main set. So from 13 billion miles away, NASA reworked some computer code written over 40 years ago to fire up some thrusters so they could get a good signal. So what my dad That's would do amazing. as a kid when he'd go over and tell me, grab those bunny ear antennas yeah, yeah, and yeah. adjust on top of the TV, they did that from 13 billion miles away. Think hmm. of that. That is amazing. But, but, I mean, honestly, we shouldn't be surprised. No. Right? I mean, the IRS has been... You know, auditing your taxes from software that's older than that. I guess you're right. I mean, this is... The government is used to doing a lot with very little. But think about that. How many 10 billion miles away we're still playing with a... What's the delay, do you think? Oh, I don't know. Days? Because they, what they went around, was it Mercury? No, it was Pluto. They just went around Pluto, and it oh, was right. so no, far right. out. No, that's right. And they said the delay was they had to just wait every time. They, they didn't know if the probe actually survived. or right. And then they got a signal back, and it was just hours of waiting. I don't know what 13 billion miles away, clear past Pluto, clear out, yeah. out of our solar system. What's the delay on that it's, to figure out if any of this worked? Yeah, that's a great question. You're, you're looking at the wrong people. Well, just uh, found it astounding. Did you hear that Elon Musk... Wants to send a Tesla to Mars. <gasps> Which one? The truck? That's the thing. you got to decide. Which one would you send? The and storage capacity on the truck would be very useful. But the problem is, eventually you're going to have to recharge, and there are no recharging stations there. Solar. Yeah, that's what they say. He has a whole wing, a whole research division on solar. They're making um, solar no, he's roofing the, panels. Yeah, he's the solar dude, too. Well, I yeah. know. They have solar roofing panels. So my wife's big thing. She drives by all these houses. They have huge... Ugly solar panels yeah. on their house. Oh, yeah. She goes, why can't they make those more attractive? Must and I be said, our neighborhood. If they make them like roofing tiles, they look like roofing yeah. tiles. You're not even going to notice. That would be great. That's They're a- super expensive, though. Just put a, an image of Tom Selleck on the solar panels. Make it more attractive? Uh, yeah. Okay. That would be more attractive for women. Do you want to wake up and look over at your neighbor's house with Tom Selleck up there? Come on. 
Tom Selleck. That was a national treasure. That would make your day better. I mean, it would be better than what I currently. You'd wake up and go, man, look at that mustache. That's a man's man right there. That is a mustache. See? Uh, my son is because of um, No Shave Movember. Is mm. that what they call it? It's December now. He can yeah. shave that. Yeah, but he doesn't want to now. But oh. he doesn't look like Tom Selleck. He looks like Nacho Libre. Ah. <laughs> well, that's probably because he's walking around in the Speedos. Yeah, that's weird, too. Yeah. It's really cold out, too. Um, yeah, Elon Musk isn't joking. <laughs> he's sending a car. He want, Well, he want, then he says he's joking. Then he says he's not joking. Yeah. But he wants to send one of his vehicles. I think that would be – you got to have a car there when you land. Mm-hmm. So you, first you send up the solar well, panels. Usually you send a rover of some kind, right? You have the – like the moon rover car that yeah, they left. Yeah, but it'll up be there. a Tesla rover. Okay, well, just a solar powered vehicle. So yeah, yeah. I mean, don't, I wouldn't. I don't. I wouldn't say it that way. Well, it, it it is. It's it's a space car. Now with Elon Musk, he can say things and sound like he's joking, but he has enough money to do it. Yeah, whatever it is. So yeah, go ahead, whatever. And if he's already owns the solar panel world, get those up there. Mm-hmm. Then he owns the battery world. Then you got to get the batteries up there. Right. Then you just got to get the car up there. Then you can get people up there, and the car will be ready. Then you can go rove around. Apparently, the way he works most of this is he has a a big overreaching idea, you know, SpaceX. He wants to get to Mars, and then that all trickles down to everything else he wants to do. He's a smart smart cat. The cars, the solar panels, all the stuff he's doing here is building towards this bigger idea of colonizing Mars. Yeah. Well. I mean. He hadn't said that, but. But you know that's where it's going. You know that's where he's going. And yeah. then he'll probably then turn into a supervillain. Really? Isn't that what happens? You think after oh, about, yeah. about 15, 20 years, surprise, it's, it's I always, was evil. Well, it's always like the mega billionaire guy that hmm. then builds this empire, right. and then they somehow turn into a supervillain because of some acid spill in their laboratory. Take a look at the Lego movie. Will Ferrell as president slash lord business. Mm-hmm. You think he's this great guy, wants to give you Taco Tuesday, then the next thing you know is gluing you to your brick foundation. Wow. You know what? I didn't catch that in the Lego movie. It's kind of dark. There's a, there's a dark underbelly to that movie. Maybe I haven't seen that one. No that, tacos either. Yeah. Very disappointing. I mean, who doesn't want Taco Tuesday? Freedom Friday. What are you, a communist? <laughs> Freedom Friday still held on a Tuesday, by the way. It's kind of confusing. All right. Uh, so, um, you know, we could talk about that forever. Mm. Or we could get to, to our next guest. Uh, we'll be talking and doing a revisit of an, an interview we did with Dr. Stephen Stosny. He uh, still is one of my favorite guests to have on the show. A brilliant man. But he's going to help us understand how to get rid of those reactive, overly reactive moments in our lives. And uh, some ways to do it by compassion and by really learning more about yourself uh, straight ahead with Dr. Steven Stosny. This is the Matt Townsend Show. When you are angry, 
stressed or under pressure, you might do things you regret later. Maybe you lash out at somebody, say something you don't mean, or completely ignore the people who matter most to you. Think of a toddler who doesn't get his candy bar in the grocery store. One thing can trigger an outrageous tantrum. The toddler may flail on the ground, shout, cry, or stomp his feet. Sometimes when we have stressful situations, we can revert back to our childish ways and show similar toddler-like reactions. A few months ago, I spoke with Dr. Stephen Stosny, uh, who's a a family violence consultant and founder of Compassion Power and author of Soar Above, How to Use the Most Profound Part of Your Brain Under Any Kind of Stress. And he suggests that we can get rid of our childish ways by embracing some new adult habits. We begin the interview by discussing his concept of the toddler brain. Yes, we, we all retreat to the toddler brain under stress. The difference with abusers and the rest of us is abusers violate boundaries mm. when they do it. Uh, most of us just stamp our feet yeah. and, and do self-destructive and, things. We don't hit anybody. Yeah, we fall to the ground and want our candy bar. You, yeah. I loved this article that you uh, wrote about kind of the toddler brain um, and politics because we we do see some weird stuff going on in our political worlds and just uh, people that are that are just choosing a little more violence or tantrum throwing. Is that also still part of that toddler brain? It sure is. Uh, see, the toddler brain is fully, I call it that because it's fully developed by age three. It's basically an alarm system. It just says something is wrong, but it doesn't have any capacity to improve it. Huh. just an alarm because toddlers can't right. solve problems. They need to sound an alarm for somebody else to do it. So they, uh, in the toddler brain, you're incapable of seeing any other perspective but your own. You don't even really see that. It's all uh, gut feelings. So everything is black and white. Everything is oversimplified. Uh, and you, if you don't give me the candy, you're the enemy. Yeah, yeah. And then I guess we 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 you know we blame each other, and we it's it really does look like our political world. There's so many that just can only see it one way. And I guess is this a survival technique then? No, it's not a survival technique so much as a, a developmental stage that people for, forge habits into. In other words, what, uh, the, the two-and-a-half to three-year-old, it's the first time in their lives when they're first realizing that they're different from their parents. So they have to push away. Before that, they feel merged with them. Mm-hmm. They think you can read their minds, and you're feeling the same thing they're feeling. But about two, two-and-a-half, three, it varies with different children they realize they have their own agenda, and it's different from yours. <laughs> but, but they don't know who they are. Psychologists call that a negative identity. They don't have an identity, but they know who they're not. They're not whatever you want. So their favorite two words are no and mine. And the political discourse is pretty much mm. mine or my way and no. Yeah. You can reduce almost everything they say to mine and no. That's it's, and it's interesting. It is a negative identity. They don't know what they are, but they know what they're not. Right. Uh, they're not anybody else. They're running against. <laughs> That's so true. And and that it's but it also I guess teaches us at some point we've got to move out of the toddler brain to the, I guess, the adult brain, which is, I guess, that's the prefrontal cortex that we hear so much about. Yeah, the upper prefrontal cortex, that's unique to humans. The toddler brain's common to all mammals. It's fully, not fully developed till uh, 28. It regulates emotions, impulses, gives sophisticated thought and analysis, judgment, planning, 
self-reflection, the Mm. the ability to know what you're doing and what you're feeling and how people are reacting to you, and the ability to see other perspectives. Uh, The problem with, and and most people live most of their day in the prefrontal cortex. Mm. The problem is under stress, we retreat to that toddler brain. A lot of research shows that under stress, all animals, including humans, retreat to habits learned very early in life. Uh, and the emotion regulation habits are blame, deny, and avoid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is, that is. That's what toddlers do. You yeah, see totally. Toy broken. You ask the toddler who did it. He'll blame someone else. My daughter was an only child. She used to say, "Jimmy, do it." That was her imaginary Jimmy, friend. <laughs> Jimmy's not even a real person, but he no, did it. Not a real person. So it's. Blame, uh, I don't know, denial, or their kids hiding, avoidance. Interesting. So we go to that blame, denial, avoidance under stress. And and the stress uh, could just be, you know, your spouse wanting to talk. Yes, it can be. If you don't want to talk, it can be anything that you don't want to do or that you're not uh, uh, prepared to do. Uh, the other thing about the toddler brain is it's stimulated by physiological states. Anybody who has a toddler knows that yeah. they're tired, hungry, <laughs> uh, distracted. Uh, those are danger areas. So the toddler brain gets invoked when we're tired, when we're hungry, when we're working too much. Yeah, that, That's when it's more likely to get invoked. Oh, that is so true. So, I mean, this is what I love about what you do, Stephen, because you've worked with prisoners who have been in uh, um, because of anger issues and abuse issues. And you've kind of there. there's a better explanation for it than just people are bad. Uh, you're finding the science behind it and kind of the spirit to fix it. Yes. Well, the spirit comes from the motivation to practice the skills to invoke the uh, adult brain under stress. It is just a skill. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody can develop it, but it, the only way the brain acquires a habit is through repetition. So you have to practice invoking the, the adult brain under stress. And that's where the spirit comes in to give you the motivation to do the hard practice mm-hmm. to be able to do it consistently. Does, does the spirit of compassion come... Um, from the high brain, from the prefrontal cortex, or where yes. is that it? Yes, because compassion requires understanding the perspective of the other person and sympathizing with it when it's different from your own. Hmm. Toddlers can't do that. They can empathize if you're feeling what they're feeling. They can empathize with that. But compassion is a higher order uh, human emotion that comes from the upper prefrontal cortex because you can sympathize with some kind of emotional state or vulnerability, pain or suffering that you don't share. Hmm. And that really is, that's the nail. That's the key. Right. So if you're angry at me and I'm compassionate, I can see that that you're feeling hurt in some way. If I'm just empathic and I'm not angry, (laughs) then I'm not going to see that you're hurt. I'm going to see that you're aggressive. And I'm going to get angry back. Wow. And that's, I guess, why the book's called Soar Above. We've got to yes. get above our thinking state, our state of being, to a higher state. Yeah. Uh, but, it, but it's only habit. It's not, uh, uh, it, it's not that you're, we're not in the adult brain most of the time. We are. Yeah, yeah. It's just a habit that under stress we go into the blame, deny, avoid. 
when we most need to improve, appreciate, connect, or protect. Those four are the adult coping mechanisms. Yeah, improve our situation, appreciate what's, I guess, happening, connecting, and protecting. Right. Any one of those invokes the adult brain. We become adults. Uh, the, the moment that being protective is more important than being protected. Hmm. Children need to be protected. Adults need to protect. Yeah, I guess that does, huh? That puts us – then, we're, yeah, we're in a more of a, I guess, a, a service role versus a selfish role. Uh, yet service in, in a higher order. Yeah, sense. yeah. Not, not in servitude, right. but – uh, you know, and serving the sea of humanity or God or, or mm-hmm. something higher than the self. It's powerful. We're speaking with Dr. Stephen Stosny. Uh, you got to go to his website, CompassionPower.com. But it really is that – I guess it gets hijacked and then you're saying then we just naturally – once we're kind of hijacked chemically and – I mean and emotionally, we um, we then just get into a habit form of – uh, blaming, of denying what's going on, avoiding it, fighting, flighting, probably? Yes. The, the, habit, the hijacking makes the prefrontal cortex serve the alarm instead of justifying Interesting. it. Interesting. Instead of regulating it. See, if a smoke alarm goes off, you don't run out of the house screaming, we're all going to die. Yeah, right. You, you check to see if there's a fire. And if there is, you put it out. It's probably just somebody cooking or smoking. Yeah, yeah. Because it's calibrated to give false alarms. But in the toddler brain, the alarm becomes reality. It's not a signal about a possible reality. In other words, if yeah. I'm angry at you, you must be doing something wrong. And all I'm going to do is find evidence that you're doing something wrong, and I'm going to completely ignore evidence to the contrary. If I'm afraid, you must be threatening. Hmm. If, it's, I'm, uh, if I'm uninterested, you must be boring. Right. Yeah, it just jumps to this automatic conclusion, and then it validates it. Yeah, the feeling becomes reality. Feelings are not reality. They're signals about a possible reality, and the prefrontal cortex has to test the reality. Interesting. So feelings are different than emotions? Well, feelings are a component of emotions. Uh, emotions have feelings. That's a conscious awareness. Of, of what's going on. Uh, it has arousal, which is mostly physiological. It, it sends action signals to the muscle groups and organs of the body. And it has a motivation. It's preparing you to do something. Hmm. Approach, avoid, or attack are the general motivations. Interesting. Uh, we're aware of the feelings, because that's you need consciousness to be aware of those. Yeah. But the other two functions of emotions are unconscious. We're not aware of them. But um, the, the point that I think your, your listeners want to get is that feelings are, uh, are the slowest part of the emotions, and they're also the part that has no reality testing. Uh, in other words, the toddler brain can't tell what's really happening from what's inside its head, what mm. it's thinking or imagining. And that's how we're able to have emotions when nothing's happening. We're just <laughs> thinking about something yeah. or imagining something or dreaming. Interesting. Because it's the prefrontal cortex that has to test the reality. Is this really happening? Is the alarm really uh, signaling something that's actually occurring? So an or advancement of a human then would be to when you're starting to have a feeling to go uh, test it, 
go gather data, but gather kind of more neutral data to see in your prefrontal cortex to see if this is legit or not. Yeah, I'm feeling irritated. Is my wife doing something wrong or am I feeling or am I hungry? hungry? Right. <laughs> Tired. Yeah. And, uh, and I guess that's really the difference between, I guess, uh, I get, I get about, I guess, becoming more evolved, more, um, more probably what we want to become, more human, yeah, more healthy uh, it, human. You be more. Uh, uh, I call it the upper prefrontal cortex is the the most profound part of the brain. That's the part where we soar above, where we become better, hmm. uh, morally, intellectually, and spiritually. All of that is the profound part of the brain, and it's always available to us if we don't give in to those habits of retreating to the toddler brain. And and it's that's the battle, isn't it? It's kind of the immediate, quick, and if you don't do it soon enough, do you get hijacked? How, how long does it take you to recover from hijacking, or is it just a shift of thinking? If you don't justify it uh, by say, the way we justify it is she had no right to say that right. to me, or you know how how dare him not not think about me? If we don't do that, the longest it can last is about twenty minutes. Hmm. Uh, but we have a way of prolonging it and making it last for days. Yeah, and then we make stories, don't we? And then the stories are just the automatic script. Yes, the the stories, though, are never complete. They're always, they don't have any other perspective. So you can't get the reality of an interaction without both perspectives together. That's binocular vision. Uh, If you only know your own perspective... You uh, even if your perspective is completely right, it's going to be incomplete because you're not seeing the other half of the dynamic. Hmm. Would, this is like huge. Tennis by only seeing the ball coming at you, not seeing what you're doing to the ball. Right, right, man. But um, Stephen, we got to get this out there. This is this is critical because it really becomes kind of the core to all of our meaning, all of our purpose, our happiness. And, I mean, being able to overcome stuff, being able to forgive people, just being able to be moral. Yeah. Yeah. See, the toddlers can get away with blame, denial, and avoidance because sure. they're, they're so cute. That's right. <laughs> it's not so cute when adults do it. That's though. right. Yeah. A tantrum by an adult is scary. Cops get called. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Well, um, man, I wish we had more time to talk, Stephen. Uh, give us the one thing. If there's one thing we could remember to make sure that we we do make that leap up into the higher uh, prefrontal cortex, the upper prefrontal cortex, what, what would help us make that leap quickly? Uh, I think that the easiest thing is when you feel bad, ask yourself, how can I make this a little better? Hmm. As soon as you do that, you engage the prefrontal cortex because the uh, toddler brain doesn't know how to make anything better. That's so great. <laughs> it just makes things worse. And that's the uh, neat thing about being a hu- an adult human. You, yeah. you have that how ability. Can I, how can I make it better? That's great. Not fix it completely yeah. because... That'll overwhelm. Yeah. Yeah. How can I make it a little better? That's beautiful. Stephen Stosny, uh, great author, great, I think, gift to humanity. And uh, go check out the book, Soar Above, How to Use the Most Profound Part of Your Brain Under Any Kind of Stress. Also, go check out the website, CompassionPower.com. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. Appreciate you. Uh, Truly great work. Uh, Honestly, if you just go read his history of work, it's amazing, the lives he's changed. Um, 
people that just had no shot at life. And now he's, uh, you know, he's helping all of us elevate our thinking from the toddler brain to the adult brain. If we could only get our politicians to do it. Well, let's just start at home. Yes, folks, it's that time for the empty news section of the program. Who better to uh, walk us through empty news than our very own Jeffrey Liam Simpson. The empty news team, first on the scene, fifth on facts. You know, during the break, you were just talking about uh, one of our guests having some problems getting here because they're plowing the road, right? You have to phone it in. So... I've got uh, some empty – no, not some empty news. Well, I do, but I have a Matlib here for oh, you. excellent. Okay. And we'll see how well you do today. All right. So uh, if you're not familiar with what a Matlib is, it's basically – it's kind of like two truths and a lie where uh, Matt tries to figure out – which is the true news story? Yeah. Which is the bogus news story? Because I'm in, I'm, I have an incredible sense of discernment. You've only lost twice now, I think. I think once in all time in all history. Okay. Well, this one's a little different because uh, this one uh, I want you to to try to spot the one that's true. Find the true. Okay. Okay. But uh, this actually, most of these are true. Well, let me just explain what it is first. Let me tell you the story, and then I'll explain myself. So in Doncaster, England, the Doncaster Council asked residents to name its its two new plows, snow plows. Okay. But uh, they had a condition. It has to be clean, and it's got to be original. Right. So almost all of these are actual votes that people did. Only two of them are the ones that won, though. So I have to pick the winners? Yes, you have to pick the winners. Okay. So the first one is Gritsy Bitsy Teeny Weeny Yellow Anti-Slip Machiney. Wow. Okay. There's Spready Mercury. (laughs) There's Basil Salty. Hmm. David Plowy. Hmm. Or David Plowy, if you will. Plowy. Kaplow! Uh, there's Grit Van Dyke. There's True Grit. There's Rule Gritania or Gritania. Hmm. Salt Disney. Hmm. Gritney Houston. And of course, Plowy McPlowface. I knew there'd be a McPlowface. Okay. But, uh, okay. This is in. So two is... of these won. But so this is in the are... UK. No, this is an impossible task. Really? Yeah. But a lot of those that you were giving me, yes, they're all true, though, right? They were all real. You didn't make any of those. All up. but two of those are actual votes. Okay, I'm going to go with Kaplow. Is one that won? Yeah. Okay. And what was the first one? Gritsy bitsy teeny weeny yellow anti slip machiney. Yeah. No. Okay. And what's the number two? Spready Mercury. Was Freddie Mercury from yes. the UK? Yes, he was. Then I'm going to go with Spready Mercury and Kaplow. Okay, so your first guess was Kaplow. Yes. That was actually one that I made up. Oh, really? Yes. Because, see, to me, that didn't have any Americanism in it, really. 
Well, a lot of these, that's that's a good point. Like Brittany Houston, you wouldn't yeah. think that the I Brits think, would have yeah. said that. Um, and then you said the second one was uh, Spready Mercury. Yeah. Oh, no You were way. close, though. You were close. Listen to this. Gritsy Bitsy Teeny Weeny Yellow Anti-Slip Machiney beat Spready Mercury with 53%. Holy cow, that one won. Wow. Uh, while David Plowy oh. or Plowy beat... Basil Salty with yeah. 58%. I was so David, go David, David next. Plowy, or yeah, David Plowy, and Gritsy Bitsy Teeny Weeny Yellow Anti Slip Machine. Okay. See, that's, that's, see, this is that good. That was to a know. tough one. That, that was kind of mean of me to do that. Yeah, to that you. was, I felt incredibly mean, <laughs> to be honest. So uh, you'll appreciate this one, and maybe you can help this couple out, yeah. too. Let's, let's we, try. We often get stories where we're hopeful that you can do something to improve the relationship. Okay. Yeah. There's a Florida man who had to throw his girlfriend's shoe out of his truck window to get her to stop attacking him. Who throws a shoe? Honestly. <laughs> and uh, so this is Stacy Stringfellow, 43, of Saratosa, Florida, was charged with strangulation and harassment. This is the woman. Yeah. Uh, Police were called to the location for the report of a woman who was standing in a loading dock screaming about being assaulted by her boyfriend. The initial report said the woman was wearing one shoe. Okay. (laughs) An officer made contact with the woman who told police that she and her boyfriend, Nathaniel Huger, had driven up from Florida that morning. She said that she was searching through his email when she found evidence that he was cheating on her. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's never good. When she confronted him, they began arguing in the warehouse parking lot. The woman became irate uh, when she confronted him about his infidelity. During the confrontation, the woman got out of the passenger seat, went behind his seat, wrapped her arm around his neck, and began choking him. Oh. Once he freed himself, Huger yeah. said he threw one of his shoes outside the truck in an attempt to get her to exit the vehicle. I don't okay. I don't know how that works. I mean that, yeah. I'll show you and throw my shoe out. <laughs> You'll have to get out. So uh and Huger told police his ploy worked. His girlfriend left See, well, yeah, it always left does. the truck to retrieve her shoe. And then he drove away. Yeah. Yeah. That's the oldest trick in the book. <laughs> the old shoe throw, or I'm gonna. My dad can beat up your dad. That's what, oh that's yeah. The other, that's the other Trump card. Yeah, no relation to Trump. I wonder if any of those dads ever duked it out. Probably not. Yeah, dads are like, don't get me involved in this. Um, this this is frustrating when this happens. What? So this is in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Family members say the wrong body was placed in a casket at a funeral home. Oh no. Yeah. So Benjamin Brown Jr. died and had lost both his legs due to complications with diabetes. Uh. The body in the casket had legs. And uh, the funeral home says in a statement that it's committed to resolving any issues that the family has. Oh, but see that. Are they going to pay for it? Well, then what do you do? I mean, the viewing. Like, man, Benjamin looks horrible. He doesn't even look like he used to. Yeah. And if you believe in a, a resurrection... Where yeah. your limbs will be restored. That typically happens, you know, with a different body after this life. Yeah. So uh, it, I don't... it doesn't normally happen in the funeral home. <laughs> Could you just see somebody that from the funeral home just saying, well, he was resurrected. Well, that's but... just his new body. Well, yeah, but that's not his face. No, but that's the that's the face he'll have. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, yeah. See, I, it you... seems like funeral homes, there's not a lot of room for air there. Yeah. 
You, you know, you, you, and people are already upset. But you can see it's a it could be a clerical mistake. Yeah. And then you know, people have, have to deal with it for a very long time. Ever misplaced your car? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just like the wrong parking floor. Yeah. What's yeah. the longest you've had to wait before you found it? Oh, about 10 minutes. And then you just use your little – this is the trick of all tricks. You just use your car alarm. Yeah. Just mine, go to every floor and set off the car alarm. The problem with mine is you have to be probably within 20 yards. Yeah, but you're, yeah, or that's, closer. It's, it's, you're in the older yeah. version of the Solara. Uh, how about 20 years? Come again? Someone lost their car for 20 years. years. So this is an absent-minded German – who uh, his car had? Who had his car returned to him twenty years after he forgot where he parked it? Oh wow! So this is in Frankfurt, uh, and authorities found the car in a garage in a building which is set for demolition. A local resident had phoned the authorities to report the car missing, which after twenty years was rotting in a garage <laughs> and uh, was deemed unfit to drive. Well, hold on, you can get into a car, mm-hmm. and you can find who owns it. Like right. Nobody ever saw this car? I guess not. So uh, the police drove the 76-year-old man to be reunited with the Volkswagen Passat. The owner thought it had been stolen, and uh, but it was actually just hidden from view and actually exactly where he left it. Oh, no way. He, so he had reported it stolen back in 1997. And nobody else saw it or thought it to be stolen. Hmm. Come on, America. We got it. We got to help each other out here. If there's a car, I mean, I get it. You may not know what to do with a car in your neighborhood for a week, but a year, 10 years, someone would be like, I think something's weird with this car. (laughs) Strange stuff. Oh, boy. The crazy world we live in. Hey, up next, we're going to be talking about the benefits of anxiety. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. It's the House of Bows. It's the House of Bows, folks, which means McKenna Bows is in the house, one of our great producers. Uh, by the way, we're going to be losing McKenna in the near future. Yeah, just a few more weeks. You're going to be graduating. I am indeed. And anytime you graduate, we lose, you win. You go make the big bucks, I'm, start a new career. Hopefully. That, that's the goal. Does it stress you out? Or are you feeling anxious? All the time. Do you see any benefit to anxiety? Um, you know, a lot of times it feels like there isn't. You know, you and everybody tells you, don't worry, it'll work out, you're fine. Yeah. But there are actually effective ways to worry and ways to put that worrying to good use. Okay. See, so that's what we got to discover. Yep. Blow our minds. How can anxiety be good for us and how do we put it to use? Yeah. So... A big part of anxiety, it can be a big motivator at times if it's kept under control and put within certain boundaries. Anxiety that's run out of control can really make it debilitating, hard to do anything. But if you put a few of these little tricks on it, you should be okay and it can actually help you do more. Cool, cool. So one of the first tricks is you want to schedule time for your worrying. Oh, that's trying, yeah. Like have have a time. Like, uh, excuse me, I've got to go worry now. Exactly. Um, you want to keep it around the same time every day. Make it sort of a planned activity where you're allowed to sort of think about the things that are worrying you. Um, but you want to really be productive. Yeah. During it, um, whether that's like writing down. Yeah. Make lists. Make a plan. Things. Figure exactly. it out. Taking that time, and this is really good because then when you're 
going, you're not being surprised at the end of the day when you're trying to fall asleep. Like, oh, I didn't yeah. think about this. You've addressed the things that you need to That's address. That's cool. Yeah. Plus, you've worked it out with some energy. You got the energy out on exactly. it. Exactly. Um, so then uh, when you're doing that, though, you want to be able to separate out productive worry and unproductive yeah. worry. If you have a job interview coming up, yes. It's, you should be a little you worried. You should be a little worried. I mean, yeah. even if you're really prepared, that worry says, I'm aware of how important this situation right. is. But then, you know, if there's... Little things like, oh, somebody did something that sort of annoyed me or really minuscule things, things that you don't have any control over. That's not going to do you any good. Don't spend your time in your worry session focusing on those things. And in fact, maybe you could redirect your worry to something you should be worried about. Exactly. I think a lot of times we – when we're stressed about an important thing – we don't want to deal with it, yeah. and we channel that worry into a lot of other small things that don't really matter, and that's really going to backfire on sure. you. Um, a big part of that, too, is try and come up with a solution. Even if it's a temporary solution or the next step towards the solution in your worry session, end it with some sort of conclusion. Yeah. Because that gives you sort of this peace of mind. I've done something. And you're able to you know, go to sleep. And it's night. not just floating out there to haunt you another night. Exactly. You know, you've really taken control yeah, that's good of advice. this worry. And then throughout it all, of course, be kind to yourself. Don't yeah. use this worrying session as a chance to beat yourself up mm-hmm. so much as an opportunity to build yourself up. Remind yourself, here's what I'm good at and how I can improve and move forward. Productive worry. Great advice. And, I mean, really, this anxiety is supposed to – be helping you not have major surprises in life. Yeah. You don't want to be eaten by the dragon. Yeah, that would be bad. So anticipate it with a little <laughs> bit of anxiety. Thanks, McKenna. Great stuff. My I hope pleasure. I hope you're not too worried about your future. I, I think you know, you've got a great future. I think with these tips, I should be okay. You'll be fine. Just breathe through it. Okay. We'll continue the journey, my friends, uh, doing what we can on the program to help you live longer, love stronger, and lead healthier, happier lives. This is the Matt Townsend Show. It's a house of bows. It's a house of bows. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1 855 Chat BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Happy December to you, of course, and happy Monday. We got a great uh, show planned for you today. We're going to be talking about boundaries. We'll talk to BYU Sports Nation. They they, they have boundaries, too. They, I mean, they break them a lot, but they have boundaries. We'll get into that fun. Plus, uh, more headlines, more news. Uh, give you, an, you know, We always try to give you our take on the news just to try to also keep you informed. Some of it, you know, crazy stuff. President Trump uh, was trying to say, hey, that video that they played before I got elected where I was saying all those bad things, I don't even know that I said those things. And that then, was an impersonator. Yeah. Billy Bush came out and said, uh, no, he said him. He totally said him. Oh, he said him. <laughs> yeah. So, by the way, Billy Bush. He said they said him and there were eight witnesses to him saying yeah. it. Wow. So he said so, so let's not even pretend that you didn't say that stuff and or that that was a doctored video or made up. No, no, no. He said it. This Which, was locker room talk. Yeah. Certainly was, I'm not proud of it. No. But he's, so even there he's alluding to the fact that he said it. There's a book by Corey Lewandowski and yeah. another guy that's just released that's talking about some of these 
moments behind the scenes during the uh, the, the election and then the, the transition. And one of those moments was this moment when that tape came out. And Trump and his team sitting around the table, all they had was the transcript. They didn't have the video. And the thing they all got caught up on was, you took a woman furniture shopping? Yeah. And he and he goes, let me just get this straight. I didn't take any woman furniture shopping. And then everyone laughed like that was funny. Then they saw the tape later. It wasn't so funny anymore. But at yeah, the moment, they thought boy. that was pretty funny. So, But it's also weird because Billy Bush had kind of gone into hiding. And well, now, but now he's out and he's he just... He's doing his op-ed. He's yeah. going to be on uh, the um, Stephen Colbert yeah. show, I believe, tonight. So he, it's like he's trying to jumpstart like I'm the guy who... Okay, yeah. It was a problem. I'm sorry about he that. Now I can some, resurrect my changed, career. Yeah, yeah, that's what he said. I should have changed the subject. He I, got I kind fired of because if you listen, don't. I wouldn't recommend listening don't to the listen tape. To but it. on the tape, he's actually kind of egging him on. Yeah, he, he says like, "Oh, I just sort of laughed." No, you were like, "Really?" And you just yeah. kept talking. Tell me and, more. So yeah. they fired him because of that. Because if you remember, at that time, he had just taken a, a job on the Today Show. That's right. He was their entertainment mm. guy. Uh, and they went, no, 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 we can't have you here. But now it makes sense, too, because, you know, Matt Lauer, Billy Bush, that would have been a... Match made in they're just, whatever that was. Just yeah. trouble. So uh, anyway, but again, that's why you can't, you can't just say, oh, I didn't say that. I mean, we've got video. There's witnesses. There's people. So anyway, uh, it's, it's all good. It's all... It's just, it's just more of the same. And I guess like we've said a million times on the show around the sexual harassments and the allegations of sexual misconduct, there's, there's a lot of stories out there. But it, we do need to open up the conversation and figure out how we, don't, how we make sure this doesn't keep happening. And I guess part of that is admitting that we shouldn't be having this kind of locker room talk where it's OK to say stuff like that. It's not. It's inappropriate and it's disrespectful. That's what mama taught me. Mm. That's what happens when you're raised in a house with four women. You you learn a lot of things that you're not supposed to do. Mama Fact. also said, "Knock you out." I think, I think that this was is a, true. There was a song about that. I think that was a different mama than my mama. Yeah, your mama would never say that. No, she just you know she was a lot calmer, nicer. She'd never knock me out. Or threaten it. Hey, uh, we got we got that to cover. Um, also, just other news, uh, j- just an update. I just want to keep making the point. Dogs are smarter than cats. Sorry if you're a cat owner. Depends. No, they dogs have more brain cells, more neurons. Does that mean they're smarter? Yeah. Or does that just mean they have more brain cells? They have more capacity and potential. Because our as humans, our brains are larger, yeah. but some people, you could swear that dog was smarter than that person. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, they just can't yeah. learn to not lick the peanut butter. Yeah, like my dog. They just, they always fall for it. Well. Do you see a cat fall for that? Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. I've never seen, I've never seen a cat. I've seen dogs do it. But Hey, if you have a cat out there, try the peanut butter test. Unless it's, I don't know if it's unhealthy. Other than just, I mean, the caloric intake and the grease and the fat and mm. the oil. Right. But I know that my dog loved it for 12 years till one day he just grabbed his chest and rolled over on his back. Wow. Dramatic. Actually, that's not how it went. Oh, okay. He was sick and then my mom had him executed. Whoa. No, no, no. He no went that's to not that, the official term. He went to that farm upstate. See, now I'm starting to believe more that your mama did say, <laughs> knock him out. No, she had to do it for his health. For she his, knocked. For she, his benefit. She knocked him out. But yeah, we call it execution. 
She no, hired. actually, we, we call it something else. Murder for hire. Oh, wow. Holding a grudge against your mom? Not much. Wow. Uh, let's get to the headlines. Anything, any other news we should be paying attention to? Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell Sunday appeared to walk back his criticism of Alabama GOP Senate candidate Roy Moore. He says, I'm going to let the people of Alabama make the call, he said on ABC. But just a few weeks ago, after multiple women came forward accusing Moore of sexual misconduct, McConnell was advocating that Moore step aside from the race, adding that he believes the women who have accused the former state Supreme Court justice that their their claims were uh, were real and they should be heard. That was what he yeah. kind of said. And yeah. now he's saying, let the people of Alabama decide. McConnell's apparent reversal comes as President Donald Trump has adopted a strategy of backing more without saying his name, which has now changed because he backed him this morning right. in a tweet. We should, you know, I, I back and support and... Uh, Want, want Judge Moore to be the Senate candidate out of Alabama. Uh, so instead, and again, this all comes down to tribalism, party politics, we need instead of we need what's right and what's wrong. Uh, after the Senate passed its version of the GOP-led tax bill, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said it's impossible to craft a bill with language that would guarantee everyone in the middle class would see a tax cut. You can't draft any bill that would guarantee no one was in a, a special category that might get a tax increase. What I can tell you is that every segment of taxpayers, every category of taxpayers on average, gets significant relief. Tremendous. That's what the president, he said the word like six times in his announcement. Tremendous, tremendous, tremendous relief. It's a hmm. tremendous bill. That brings tremendous relief. So is uh, apparently this is very common, but as the uh, as uh, Joe Cannon earlier in the show was telling, he was watching CNBC. Yeah. Or no, C-SPAN. C-SPAN. As at the end of this market thing night. on Friday night, yeah. and a lot of people were watching. Was, I was, was I was watching on Twitter because I didn't want to watch. But you don't want to admit you watch. C-SPAN well, no, people, there <laughs> were there, there were members of the the Senate who were kicking out tweets, taking pictures of the copies of the bill they were getting, and like yeah, entire, handwritten, handwritten entire parts just crossed out, and then in the margins written like new language and he's like yeah. what is this you can't even read this what's it? And, and that's the process this, right. as they're marking the bill up and then they go ahead and vote on it and then i guess somebody types it all up afterwards and they get an actual document yeah. i'm not sure how that works but again any anything that's in the margin does anybody even know that's in the bill because that may not be the one they read right which version and who gets what <sighs> it's very confusing this all started this has never happened before <laughs> ever until health care then we just when rushed they to get it everything overnight, done. and nobody, everyone was sleeping. Uh, other news: National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster said Saturday the risk of war between the United States and North Korea is quote increasing every day, mm. arguing that North Korea is the greatest immediate threat to the United States, and we are in a race to be able to solve this problem. He did not concede there are ways to address. Oh, he did concede there are ways to address this problem short of armed conflict, but said there is not much time left for those options because of North Korea's technological progress. Ooh. And then he followed that up with Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, I'm, I'm ho. kidding. The U.S. and South Korea today begin their biggest ever air drills on, these, on the Korean Peninsula, despite North Korea's warning of merciless revenge for the show of force. Wow. The five-day annual drill will include simulated attacks on mock North Korean nuclear missile targets. Wow. They're going to do some war games, and North Korea doesn't like it when they have all that military hardware zipping around their borders when they don't have yeah. as much. Well, who does? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Finally, mm-hmm. NFL. Yeah. The Cleveland Browns. How are they doing? They're 0-12 on the season. 
Well, that's a perfect record. They kept their perfectly losing record intact yesterday as they lost. Do you know how hard that is? It is a struggle at times. Because there is this sort of like need that if you're going to go out there and play 16 times, at some point you're going to want to win. Yeah, but statistically, somebody's got to make a mistake (laughs) that you can take advantage of. Someone judged members of that team to be worthy of an NFL contract. (laughs) Yeah, they spend millions of dollars on these teams. So. Okay. One Brown, one Cleveland Browns fan, Chris McNeil, pursued and received permission from the city of Cleveland to have a parade outside First Energy Stadium where the Browns play if the team finishes 0-16 this season. This is the second consecutive year yeah. McNeil has filed paperwork for the parade. He tweeted about submitting the forms to the city for the parade November 14th, and Wednesday morning he let everyone know in a series of tweets that he had not only met with the city, but they had given him the green light for the parade. <gasps> wow. Now, but are they doing it to shame the team? Or are they doing it because we still love you? I, You're trying I think really it's a, hard. I think it's a coping strategy for the fans. Yeah, give them some. I mean, by the way, let's be real. Cleveland has celebrated championships. Right. So, but, I mean, a it few could we- be worse. A few weeks ago, Cleveland's, you know, celebrated that they had made this huge trade, but then they forgot to submit the paperwork. Oh, yeah, that was a bad day. So the trade never happened. The yeah. NFL's like, we haven't got the paperwork We yet. were this close. The fan is calling uh, the event the Perfect Season Parade on Facebook. He has a Facebook page for the event. McNeil says the parade is for celebrating perfection from the team that is giving us nothing to celebrate since 1999. Do you think any of the Browns will be there? Do you think they'll make an appearance? I don't know. That's, that, <laughs> yeah. that, that's shaky You may there. not want to be on that float. <laughs> so far, 1,400 people confirmed they'll go to the event, while 5,300 are interested in going to the parade that's currently scheduled for January 6th. And if we know anything, when people say they have confirmed or are interested in things on Facebook, that yeah. always translates into people showing up. You know, you it's, could, it's good, direct it's good, correlation. That's totally you could have true. the Browns show up, and you could distribute tomatoes to everybody that comes. You could set up Browns pinatas so people could just beat oh, them see, mercilessly. Then that just induces and, shame. Maybe what they ought to do is change the name from Browns to like Earth Tone. <laughs> Earth Tones, because then you've got something more positive in there, like Earth. And then Earth is good. Yeah, I just think. We've hmm. learned that the Browns come from the uh, a Brown, the uh, the first coach of the Browns. True. Was what was his name? Mac Brown. No, that no. was the coach of Texas. That was his great 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 grandson. It was a guy with a name I forget his name. I think it was David. David Brown. Jimmy Brown. Uh, we are uh, researching that right now as we speak. Well, again, I'm not sure. I like a, a parade if they're if it's there to shame people so it says cleveland they've narrowly lost four games by three points or oh, less this season so close that also tells you if you maybe had made that trade yeah. paul paul brown they have to the games remaining they have the packers ravens bears and steelers the final game of the season maybe the steelers will have a playoff position all set and they won't have to worry about the game so maybe they'll have a gimme at the end of the year where the steelers play all the backups and they can maybe compete i don't know oh yeah i doubt it if they do finish 0-16, the Browns will join the ranks of the 2008 Detroit Lions and the 1976 Buccaneers, who also went defeated for the season. Do they have that deal where if you lose the season, you get first pick in the next in the draft? Yep. So it works. And that doesn't seem to help. Them. The Browns have had multiple first-round picks. There's quarterbacks in college who are debating whether to delay going pro because they're juniors. They don't want to. But they don't want to go pro because you'll end up in Cleveland. But the problem is Cleveland has shown that they haven't improved things over the years. So you just end up going to Cleveland anyway. Speaking of college, 
why don't they just, in order to make more money,、mm-hmm. why don't they just have an exhibition、uh, game after the season is over where they play a college team? Yeah. That could get some money. Because that would settle every, every kid wonders could the Browns beat the number one team? Right? Could they beat like a Clemson right now? Is Clemson number one? Yeah. Could they beat Clemson? Yes, they could. You're really sure of that? Yep. I mean, you would think talent wise, they're the、sure. best talent. Not every player on the Clemson football team、yeah. is NFL. Level、Worthy. talent. Right. Whereas every player on the Browns team has been deemed by somebody to be an NFL level talent. So you'd think the Browns have a higher if, level of talent. If it's talent that wins. See, Maybe it's hard. They've only, those games, the four games they've lost by three, by three or less. So、yeah. they're not completely garbage. But, no, no. Yeah. This would be a morale booster for the Browns, and it would maybe be a、no. little humbling experience for the Clemson. The Browns Clem- are in a lose. The, What Brown, are they the Clemson. The Browns are <laughs> in a lose lose situation there. If they beat the college team, they should have. If they lose to the college team, they shouldn't have lost. They、yeah. don't win there. I don't well, think the they, NFL would allow they it. They clean house after that. They clean it up. They've、don't. already cleaned house when it came to like, management, the people making decisions. They've cleaned it like three times.、Hmm. They fired the, the general manager. They fired the general manager. They fired the general manager. They fired the general manager after they messed up that trade earlier this season.、So. Oh. Speaking of that, who, which stadium were they trying to clean house with by demolishing it? It、yeah. didn't work. Silverdome still hanging by a few hairs. Apparently, somebody. They, Silverdome, Pontiac、yeah. Silverdome up in、uh, Detroit. They were going to level it, and they blew out a lot of the support、uh, beams、yeah. on Sunday morning, but it didn't fall. It's got the, heart. Apparent, well, apparently, somebody went in and messed with a lot of the explosives, maybe pulled some wires, and、uh, they、Those、didn't go off.、Kids. 10% of the explosives did not go off. You know what you can talk to Sports Nation about later? What? Talk to them about this. See if you can get them to do their Bane impression. And maybe Bane was behind this? No. You think Bane、I'm、was behind this? I'm trying to destroy your stadium. Yeah. See if you can get him to do the impression. Okay. I'll just, I mean, I can push it. They'll do it. They love doing it. You don't even have to push him that hard. Just, if I just say something about it, they're all like, they'll jump right on it.、Um, hmm. So now they've got to send some poor guy or gal in there to reconnect those wires. No, no, no. They're just going to knock it down from the outside. Well, that's not fun. Yeah. I mean, well, you can't send somebody in there. The whole place is now unstable. Well, sure you can. Someone you don't like? Yeah. Bob from accounting? There's got to be a guy that's like really well insured. And they're like, hey, Bobby, <laughs> come here. Remember how we beat you in that card game? Remember we had that talk about loyalty to the company? I need you, you need to, to run show、in. dedication. All you got to do is take those charges, reconnect them. You're safe. You got a、You're、hard、fine. hat. Go ahead. Wear a hard hat. Didn't work in Jurassic Park when they sent Samuel L. Jackson.、Mm. Yeah. To reboot the whole system? Yeah, but there won't, be, there won't be a raptor in there. You don't know. I'm pretty sure I do. The Silverdome's just been sitting there for several years now. It's more likely to be a rapture than a raptor.、Mm. <laughs> you think there's raptors at the Silverdome? There could be. They've they got all kinds of investigations. They're in there holding in this there. thing up <laughs> with their little arms. Hmm. Okay,、uh, let's get to some empty news. I know Jeff,、uh, Jeff likes to just make sure that we get every empty news story that we possibly can in the show. So, we already talked about in the last hour the guy that couldn't find his car for、yeah. 20 years reported it stolen. It's it was probably in the Silverdome. Just sitting in some garage. 
I wish we could show the video for this. There was a, a group of cars in the UK that were damaged after a tractor drove through the middle of tightly parked vehicles. Oh, no. Yeah. So uh, the cars were parked on a road in northwest England, and the tractor, believed to be carrying a trailer full of sheep, uh, plowed through them. It left one car in particular with significant damage to its driver's side. An eyewitness who saw the tractor drive through left a note on the car to explain to the owner what had happened. In it, he wrote... The big tractor carrying a huge sheep trailer left the farm at the end of the road. I then saw him stop along the road. He couldn't get through the gap and couldn't turn around. So Ugh. he just went through damaging at least four cars, yours coming off worst. See, now my first <laughs> thought when I read this was, how do we know that wasn't the guy driving the tractor that wrote that note? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. it was some guy just came in with you, a tractor full of sheep. You would not believe this. Some dude. Yeah. <laughs> No, but but the, apparently all the cars were parked on the side of the road uh, to go hiking. Yeah. And, the, you know, the, the farmer guy, he had to get through there. Do you leave notes on people's cars when you hit them? Nah, usually I just talk to them because they're looking at me like, why did you just hit me? They're in the car when you hit yeah. them. Like I backed into someone wow. recently and they were we just kind of looked at each other. You know, craziest thing? This yeah. is one of uh, This is one area in my life that I'm always reminded, you know what? Honesty is the best policy. Oh, always. Because yeah. I, you know, I bumped into a, a person here or there. Hold One it. time the person like, was, no, not the person, but the, the driving. Yeah. yeah. I bumped into a car here in Utah and we pulled over. The person got out, looked at the, the bumper. And they're like, you know what? Not big, not, not a, big a big deal. deal. Don't worry about it. So that was good. Another time I, maybe two more times, I backed up into somebody. Wow. I rolled my eyes, left a note on the windshield, never heard from them. So really? I'm wondering if the damage was there before, and they thought, you know what? Not a big and deal. And they didn't take advantage of the situation. I, Isn't I that think, interesting? Yeah, but I think the more interesting thing is why are you running into all of these people? It happened years ago. Yeah. Years ago. That's always the excuse. It seems, was not in my like you have a problem. Toyota Camry Solara, by the way. No, your Solara is pristine. Yeah. There's not, a, there's not a scratch on that car. It's amazing. You're going to key my car, aren't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just wow. did during the last break. Sorry. Put your pristine, perfect 2008 Solara near my car. Jealous much? Jealous all day long. Hey, straight ahead. How to uh, create healthy boundaries in your relationships. Uh, you know, sometimes you just got to put a little fence around certain things so that uh, you can stay healthy. Straight ahead, Nicole Cunningham will be uh, enlightening us about healthy boundaries. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, uh, have you ever had a relationship where you you just you just gave in too much? You just gave in too much. You felt like people took advantage. 
You needed stronger boundaries? Well, today's the day to learn a little bit more about how to create a healthy boundary in your life. Who better to help us than Nicole Cunningham? She's a master executive coach with 15 years of coaching and consulting experience. Nicole has dedicated her career to assisting companies, individuals, and families in Australia, Malaysia, the UK, Singapore, and here in the United States to understand, change, and improve human behavior and relationships. Nicole uh, is also incomparable in understanding all of the aspects of human nature and is uh, the COO at Clarity Point Coaching. Uh, Nicole, by the way, has been uh, has been trying to travel all morning to get here to do the show, but has faced storm, snow, and multiple car accidents that she's been de- delayed. Nicole, are you there? I am. Good morning, Matt. How are you going? I'm doing great. Now, welcome, by the way, to Utah weather traffic. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. The minute the snow hits, everybody panics and appears. Isn't it crazy? And it, actually, what will happen is it, they only panic on the first day. Uh, by day three, no one will care anymore, and you'll be run off the road two or three times. We'll be back into the groove again. That's exactly right. You'll be back at it. So uh, we appreciate you you know, doing what you can to make it down here, and now, and yet you're still now stuck in a parking lot, and we're, we're glad that we can talk to you. Talk about boundaries. It, are we very good at boundaries? It seems like a lot of people don't set any, and then some people set too many. Yeah, and particularly this time of year, Matt, it's really easy to find ourselves being manipulated this time of year. You know, it's Christmas, and it's the season of giving, right, which which doesn't mean giving in. Right, exactly. It's, but it is giving. And so how many of us find ourselves going to obligatory parties, or we do things that we don't want to do this time of year because we don't have boundaries? Oh, it's so true. So because and and then what's weird is you feel so disempowered because you feel like you can't say no. But I guess you're saying we can. We don't have to go to everything. That's right, because boundaries actually not about selfishness. As much as a lot of us were taught that as young children, that, you know, if we, we say no to things and that no is a dirty word, I, I know that that was definitely something that was taught to me in my home. It's actually not. Boundaries are about self where if I actually do things that I'm truly love-motivated to do, I show up better for people. Hmm. And if I'm not stretched so thin because I'm actually honoring my own self and taking care of myself at the same time, then I have more to give. Yeah, no, that's powerful. Um, so if, what are the ways that we do this? How do we, how do we know when we need a boundary and how do we go about setting those? to make a decision what we will allow because what we allow we will actually continue because we teach people how to treat us so we have to decide what it is that we're okay asking for now for those of us who are parents and and, are trying to balance careers and all the needs of a church calling and everything else we need to be clear about what it is that we are willing to give and then set boundaries according to that now if you don't know what it is that you're deciding to do you'll find yourself panicking in that moment and saying yes and then you get into the car later and go oh damn now that that's going to feel like an obligation yeah why did i say that why did i do that That's right. So we only overcommit because we're not clear about what it is that we actually truly want to give. So this is about, and and this is a good time of year, Matt, to think about it. We're going into 2018. What do you want to change? This is a good season of reflection. Have I been spread too thin? Have I been giving more than what I actually was willing to, which makes me feel taken from? Because if you feel any of those emotions, you're the only one that has the power to change that. So what we recommend is actually create a list of what it is that you will allow and what it is that you are not okay with. So, for example, I make decisions about how much time I'm going to engage playing one-on-one with each of my children. 
Now, that might sound like a strange boundary to set, but I have to tell you, the Lego box is always there, and they would have me play with them 24-7 on the Lego box, and right. nothing else would get done. So the way that I've structured that in my home is that they both get half an hour every second day one-on-one with me playing Lego. And that's such a simple, easy way, but it enables me to actually be clear about what I want instead of saying no all the time. And I've communicated it effectively, but then they also respect that. Mm, that's And I guess the time, it, it's funny, it almost doesn't matter um, – how much or how little, because that's totally up to the person, what we what we think would work and what's appropriate. What matters more is that we're actually being intentional about this. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. And, and around this Christmas season, if you're invited to all of these different parties, make a decision about the ones you really want to go to and why. So you might need to write it down as a family and say, right, this weekend we've got so many things, we're being called in all these different directions. Which are the ones that we really want to show up to for the right reasons? And then show up to those instead of dividing the family and trying to do everything and then realizing, hey, we've had an entire weekend and we've been shipped in the night. You know, that's not the energy of Christmas. It's not about us being pulled in different directions and having all this obligation. It's about showing up, being present and loving with the decisions we're, and, and the uh, commitments we do want to follow through with. Oh, that's good. That really is. I mean, because you, you can even – you could go to each party, but if I have a grudge and if I'm frustrated and I didn't want to be there, you everyone knows it. <laughs> just how it's you're showing up. It's on my face like a neon sign, yeah. even though I try to cover it up. So true. And <laughs> we think we think we're so much better at it and no one can tell, but – I mean, we've all we've all had that moment where we found out, okay, we've got this company party, my company party, my wife's company party, my church party, my neighbor's party, three other things, plus shopping, plus and then, you know, somebody throws in a wedding or some other curveball. Um how do you get over the guilt that you might feel where you're like, "Ah, oh, I'm I should be there." I mean, they invited me. Is there is there a way to actually not have the guilt of it? Yeah. So the secret is, is to do things out of love instead of fear. Because I'm only saying yes, because I'm afraid I'm going to look bad. Yeah. Right. And or because I feel like, gosh, if I'm the only one that's not there, it's going to be so obvious. And they're going to talk about it, you know, behind my back. We're only making those obligatory and, and those decisions that are involved manipulation because of fear. Instead, I've got to make a new policy myself. And this is a really wonderful thing to role model for your children, your spouse. Say, you know what, guys, we're going to be in a position where everything that we do is out of love because this is what this season is about. And so if we can't go to all of these things because it's not loving for us to, to go back to work on Monday and school on Monday exhausted, we're going to just send a lovely email or we might even record a short video on the iPad and send it through saying, hey, thinking of you, sorry we couldn't make the party, um, but, you know, season's greetings, all of that stuff. We're going to make a decision that where we go and what we do is intentional with love instead of showing up and, and having that bad attitude. Yeah, no, that's really good. And um, I, I guess as part of this, um, you, you need to you need to it's easy to hide behind a cake or it's in this time of season. It's easy to hide around, you know, some something you've cooked um, or, or made or a gift you've bought. How, how do we make sure we put people first? Well, we've got to make a decision that those people are important. And if we don't have people that we love enough to really show and and follow through, then we've got to make a decision to put a boundary in their life. Now, we're not going to kick everybody out of our lives. That's not what we're saying, Matt. But we're actually saying, you know what? Love yourself and love other people enough to be authentic. 
So if this is a, a relationship that you really don't have the time or the inclination to maintain, then don't promise that you're going to. Mm, that's good. Yeah. You know, it's just about being authentic. And this is really, I think in this day and age, with all of these different mediums of technology and communication, I think now's the time to be a little creative, right? How many of these things do we want to go to? How many can we do a quick video chat or do a recorded video with the family or send an email or send a text message with a photo? Let's get creative this season and let's break this cycle of obligation and being manipulated into things we don't want to go to and let's make a decision to be authentic and loving in every single relationship. It really is that FOMO, isn't it? The fear of missing out. Because, too, you're like, well, if I if I don't go, then I just won't get invited next time. Or if I don't go, then I might miss the special treat or whatever they give. I mean, we're, we're, we're almost more neurotic, it seems like, because we have all this technology showing us what we missed out on. Yeah, and again, that's, that, all, that FOMO is, is just all fear, yeah. really. Um, you know, I, I'm afraid that I'm going to miss out or I'm going to look bad. But at the same time, there's, there's all of that mistreatment that comes with it if you're not being there for the right reasons. And really, you're mistreating the host as well. It's not just about you receiving the mistreatment. If I turn up to a party and I've got a scowl on my face, even though I'm trying to put that mask on and hide behind it, that's not fair to the other people who are there. I'm much better to take responsibility and say, you know, this isn't going to work for me. I'm too tired. I've got too many other commitments. The children are too overwhelmed. Because we, we race through this, uh, through this season as if it's a sprint. It's not. It's a marathon. Realistically, it starts in October and it doesn't finish until the 7th of January. This is the season. So let's look at it as a marathon. Let's pace ourselves. Let's be loving and authentic because that's the greatest gift that we can give each other, truly. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Again, we're speaking with Nicole Cunningham, who's a master executive coach and is the COO at ClarityPointCoaching.com, which is a great uh, resource for a lot of relationship and and life skills and life tools. Uh, What do you do, Nicole, when it's when the boundaries that need to be set are need to be set like as a couple um, where now that we, we might even have differing goals. The husband, let's say, might want to go to fewer things. Maybe the wife wants to go to more things. Um, and the wife would always say yes. The husband might always say no to events like this. How do we set boundaries when it's two of us trying to set the boundary? Yeah, because you know this is happening right now. Oh, I love yeah. the question that. You it happened last happening. night, for heaven's sakes. Oh, right. Okay. Yes, this is a fresh one. So in that conversation, I'd be saying to my spouse, you know what? Can you do this for me? Can you show up and be loving and supportive of me in doing this instead of being the only person there who doesn't want to be there with a bad attitude? Or can you not do that for me? Because either way, I want to set this up so that neither of us have any resentment and that we're not. I'm not dragging you to something that you're not. But you know what? You don't really want to go to Aunt Jean's 80th birthday on top of everything else this weekend, but could you do it for me? And if they say no, then you've got to make a decision to go, that's okay. They they were authentic. They have a boundary and a need that they need to stay home and get some rest before their big work week ahead. And so both of you need to make that decision lovingly about compromise in that moment. Mm. And talk it out. I mean, and get it out there. I mean, I guess too, and, and be okay with people being who they are. That's right. I mean, that's part of it. The greatest mistakes we have is our projection because we see the world our way and we make that wrong assumption that everybody else sees the world the same way. We're allowed to have differing opinions, different views, and different needs. Yeah, and uh, it's so true. And sometimes it's like you feel like it's not acceptable to just be you. It's not acceptable to 
have your approach to life. Like if, if you love going to all of these things and you could go to four Christmas parties a day, some people, you know, love that. But you may be married they to somebody try. that's like they don't like that. Like just and then then we start like calling each other names and why do you have to go to so many things and we get frustrated. Yeah, so we don't want labels and we don't want to be throwing projection at each other this season. Forgive each other and, and honor those boundaries that they're setting for themselves or ask lovingly, can you do this for me because you love me without holding on to that grudge if they say no. Yeah, no, totally. Oh, so good. Uh, anything else you got for us? What else could we do to make sure the boundaries that we're setting are actually work and that we can, we can, we can stick to them? So another little secret I have is buy yourself time. There's nothing worse than coming home and somebody's committed to you to something that you didn't say yes to. Yeah. This happens in families all the time. And even for myself, I can get caught up in that part of me that still can be a people pleaser at times. And so I'll actually say yes, and I'll get into the car and drive away and say, you did it again. You did it again. So my a really good rule of thumb, a bit of a secret, is I actually ask for time. I go, look, let me just check my diary or let me just check with the family and I'll get back to you. And that gives you an opportunity to really sit with it and say, am I going to show up and do this with authenticity and love and be in the right the right frame of mind to do this well or are we spread too thin in which case we need to look at another way to politely decline now i always say that when you say no you might be saying yes to somebody else so what if that that uh, obligatory wedding uh, invitation comes in and you say yes and you go and you've got that sour face the whole time well if you said no they could invite another more people to that event that perhaps were on the waiting list. True, huh? That yeah. they didn't get the cut. And so sometimes the no is not always about, you know, it doesn't have to come with that disappointment, you being a bad person. Yeah. So you can actually buy yourself that time and say, you know what, in this moment, this isn't going to work for us this month. There's too many pieces, but you know what, offer an alternative if it generally is something you want to do. But you don't have to justify your no. That's the other thing is that it's okay to just say, sorry, that's not going to work for us. We don't have to then go on and create a story because that's when sometimes we think on our feet and we might might, uh, tell a white lie or two and get ourselves in trouble. That's so true. So, so true. Um, Okay, so there there really are. I mean, I I guess the key to this is part of uh, this time of season and part of being a good, you know, citizen and human being at this time of year is be willing to say yes and be willing to say no. Yeah. And be okay with both, but have integrity in both. If you're going to show up, be the best you. If you're not going to show up, that's okay, but do it kindly and and don't hold on to any grudges. Mm, Great advice. Great advice. Nicole, thank you so much uh, for your great uh, effort today, too, to, to show up. You, you you did everything you could to get here. Nicole Cunningham's her name. Again, uh, ClarityPointCoaching.com is their website. Go check out the great work they're doing. And let's all show up, A. And if we're going to show up, let's show up with integrity and, and be there, truly be there. Be adding uh, joy, adding peace to this time of year instead of just stressing more and more people out. We'll continue the journey, folks. Straight ahead, we'll be visiting with our good brethren from BYU Sports Nation. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. On floor to our good friends at uh, BYU Sports Nation, Spencer and Jeremy. Hello, gentlemen. Hi, Matthew. How you guys doing? Uh, we are fantastic, my friend. You're very busy this morning. Yes, running. we are very busy this morning because there are a lot of good things that happened 
for BYU and for BYU-related athletes over the weekend. Best really? weekend of the season for BYU Ho- athletics. Well, okay. Do you want to fill us in a little bit? Yeah, let's start with uh, BYU's Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams bursting onto the NFL scene once again yesterday. Hill as a special teams player, and then, I mean, there were probably 15 minutes <laughs> of discussion throughout the whole game on Taysom Hill and how much his head coach, Sean Payton of the New Orleans Saints, loves him, and he's the next Guy behind Drew Brees. Hello. What? Oh, did I? How did I miss this? This is huge. Which is interesting because he's technically the third string behind Chase Daniel. Yeah, how does but Chase he, Daniel but, feel about well, him? He's yeah. the future. I don't think he's the immediate future. I think he's the he's beyond the, Drew Brees future. Whenever, whenever yeah, that is. And Drew Brees has had a resurgent year for the Saints, who are uh, the number one team in their division. They're looking good. Uh, but Taysom Hill pulled a Riley Nelson. Riley Nelson was a backup quarterback on the 2010 roster, 2011. Yeah. Uh, And he said, I want to get on the field and I want to contribute. So he started playing special teams in practice. Never played special teams in a game. (laughs) Taysom Hill got into the game and had three plays of note, two tackles, disrupted a punt, and Troy Aikman, Hall of Fame quarterback for the Cowboys, who's a Fox analyst now, is raving about Sean Payton talks the most about Taysom Hill more than any other player on the Saints in our production meetings. Unbelievable! <laughs> so, yeah, so a backup quarterback who made two tackles, like on big teams tackles. These were all this run. Yeah, he looks <laughs> he looks bigger. Than, uh, yeah, in fact, I, I'm watching. Yeah, you can tell that they Got love him. arms, Matt. He reminds me of me back in the day. Disrupted a punt as well. Not true. Yeah, totally true. Hey, really fun. And then Jamal <laughs> Williams has his first. NFL 100-yard rushing game scores a touchdown and an important Packers win. He done got a hundy. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, right? This is and exciting. Hoops gets a win uh, at Utah State. Oh, yes. Uh, after going 0 for 10 from 3 in the first half, they still grind out a defensive gym. It's becoming a theme. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, once you do it a few times, it's who you are. It's now it's about winning. Yeah. Fluke. And then women's volleyball, sixth straight Sweet 16. Fantastic. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it's such a big deal. My mom is talking about BYU volleyball now. Oh, yeah. They're, they're legit. If you haven't jumped on, jump on. They play Kentucky in an early game Friday, Friday. is it? Friday? On Someone joked with me over the weekend that BYU is a volleyball school. Yeah, no, that's, that's what I'm hearing. That's, that's kind of rude. Yeah. There's, we do other things. The ratings and popularity and money would say otherwise. But in terms of success, yeah. just on-court success. It is a volleyball Strong sport. argument for that. Yeah. Hey, uh, really quick, um, what do you guys think about um, the final four or the, the top four? Oh, the college football playoff. Yeah, what do you think? I think they got it right. Yeah. Do you? Do you? Alabama's been the number one team all year, and then they lose a tough game on the road to the hottest team in the country at the time. Alabama they did not have, have all of their they, players healthy. They, they have one linebackers. They have one loss. Uh, they, yes, they weren't a conference champ, but the best teams are the – Four best teams, you put right? the four best college football teams in the playoffs. Then yeah. it's good. Yeah, that's going to make Ohio State. Don't lose to an unranked Iowa team by thirty-one. Yeah. Like it was close. They gave up fifty-five don't to lose. Iowa. <laughs> if, yeah, you can't lose that game. They you fell asleep. Can't lose that game. Hey, who doesn't fall asleep while they're driving once in a while? Uh, Just bring it up a weird point. <laughs> okay, anything else on your show we should be paying attention to? What's coming up? We'll talk to ESPN's Trevor Maddich. A lot of conversation about the potential offensive coordinator. Will BYU be better on offense next year with the personnel it returns, regardless of scheme? Does he think Ty Detmer deserved more time? Hmm. We'll ask him that as well. Hmm. This and is Mark exciting. Durant. 
the analyst for BYU men's basketball. Who called the final score of the game to the exact points for both teams. He always sends out a tweet. Holy cow. Sensei. he's, He's correctly nailed it twice. That's a gift. We'll talk tomorrow. He said 75-66. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) That's pretty amazing. That's good. All right, guys. It sounds like a great show. Straight ahead. You're not going to want to miss it. BYU Sports Nation with Spencer and Jerem. They're touching it all. And uh, they just had a a great interview with Maddich. Uh, And so, you know. Mad Dog Maddich? Mad Dog Maddich. No, that's somebody else. That's Mad Dog Mattis. Ah, a, a different mad dog. Uh, by the way, there's mad dogs everywhere. We, um, we've had a really – we've had a lot we've covered today. And I think if there's anything we could go back to one more time, I think we really ought to just reiterate that dogs are smarter than cats. According to a new study. I know you're a cat lover. Some of you out there are cat lovers. I personally am allergic to them. Dogs are more mad too because yeah, you have a, mad, have a dog. mad dog but not a mad cat. Yeah, you never like have a mad cat. You can have a mad cow. You can have a rabid cat and a rabid dog. But uh, apparently dogs have more uh, neurons than cats by almost double. But, hey, it doesn't mean they're better. It just means they're smarter. By the way, there's there's probably a lot more cat videos on – uh, on YouTube than there are dog videos, which says that the cats, with their limited intelligence, they're doing a lot with so little. Uh, hey, a little uh, hero story for you out of Houston, Texas. A grandfather is being called a hero after he braved an intense apartment fire to save the lives of his three young grandchildren. The fire started at a multi-story duplex in northeast Houston around 11 Sunday night. Fire was seen pouring from the second floor of the building when emergency crews arrived on the scene. Firefighters initially said it was the father at home with the children, but according to the children's mother, it was her grandfather. It was their grandfather. Uh, She was at work at the time of the fire, and witnesses say the grandfather could be seen pulling the children ages 8, 3, and 1 from the building, likely saving their lives. The children suffered minor smoke inhalation. They were taken to the hospital but had been released. The grandfather was also treated for burns to his feet and hands. The mother says they lost everything in the fire. They will be working with the Red Cross to find a place to stay. So that grandfather is the hero of the day. The love of a grandfather. Are you kidding me? Burning his feet to go get his children and grandchildren out of the fire. Unbelievable story. And you too can be a hero just by being there, by being present. Let's all lift the world a little bit higher, one person at a time. That is the goal of this show. We'll be back tomorrow. BYU Sports Nation is up next.